Welcome to Fly Cool Shit. Fly Cool Shit. A podcast about flying cool shit. Join us weekly where we talk about aerobatics, warbirds, tailwheel flying, unique aircraft, and much, much more. Let's start the show. You're cleared into the box. Smoke on. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of Fly Cool Shit. I'm super excited, Petro. Dude, I am so excited to be here. So excited. I'm I'm we, I'm I'm elated. We've been talking about this one for at least a month and a half. It's got to be 2 months, right? Yeah. Yeah, well, honestly when when I was like, "Oh, I'm going to um, you know, start a podcast and blah 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 and get people on." Uh honestly, this person was uh one of the first that came to my mind. One, because he's a friend, um, it's, it's an honor to call him a friend, but, uh, he's just so fucking talented. Um, friend is a everything. strong word. Acquaintance. <laughs> Acquaintance. And, and without further ado, Robert Pinkston, welcome to the podcast, brother. My brother Pinky. Woohoo. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. And Petro. Yeah. We're excited, man. I hope you got a drink next to you. Mark's always getting drunk, apparently. He might have always. to, he might have to go to a Several. meeting. I only drink when we have a podcast, and now that we've been recording them more, I'm like, um, oh, got a three quarter glass full of uh, Cab Franc in my hand right now. Yeah, actually, where were you at last week's meeting? I didn't see you there. He was, oh, at, a, boy. He was at a different meeting for uh, for the uh, the above reference drink. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh shit! Yeah, man. What's up, Pinky? Not much, man. So let me let me run through the docket here, and I got to tell everybody how we met. Um, but your you are, um, dude. Are you even? Are you, you're not twenty five yet. You're twenty four. Nope. Yeah. Yep. Jesus. Christ. And I met you when you were nineteen or almost twenty. Um, that's yeah, not true. Are, that is so not 18. true. You met Pinky. Actually, it was eighteen. You, you met Pinky at a Chuck E. Cheese when you went. You used to go hang out there and you know hang out with the kids. And Pinky was there, and you were like, "Hey, how about you? You want to go flying, man? I'll introduce you to flying." He, what were you? Hey, like, he was an adult. He was an adult. <laughs> he was a legal adult. You know, That's and then story, and we're sticking to it. And then yeah. you know things progressed. Then you uh, went to his prom. You were chaperoning and everything like that. So you've known him for quite a long time. Oh yeah, yeah. And listen, listen to this punk kids fucking resume here. Okay. Uh, we, let, let, I'm gonna run through like all his little titles here. Okay, uh, aerobatic pilot. We don't have enough warbird time for pilot. This. No, we don't. No, we're gonna run long today. Aerobatic pilot, warbird pilot, chief pilot, airshow pilot, jet pilot, helicopter pilot, instructor. Um, what am I missing here? Fucking drone pilot. Jesus, I don't That's think the he one has that. that. I'm always upset when people leave out. You know, God, yeah, I work really hard. We spoke about yeah. this in, in, in pre-production, man. <laughs> Don't miss the drone part. <laughs> His agent is going to be so pissed. No, actually, to make it clear, I'm not a drone pilot. And I just want everyone <laughs> to know that. <laughs> so there is somebody out there who's better at, at drone, who has uh, who possibly could have more ratings than you. Because more of the qualified. Drone, because of the I'm drone. sure many people do. I doubt that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like the, 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 dossier on you is 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 thick do you have a glider rating too i actually don't have a glider rating that's something i really want to do 
I've never been in but, a glider uh, before, actually. That's he does have know. a seaplane rating. Oh, that's cool. Actually, correction on that. I have flown a seaplane as PIC with a light sports seaplane endorsement. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, skating the rules. There bit. we go. Little little rule skater. I love the light sport category. I think it was a great addition. Yeah, and this seaplane, a little Aeroprat, 100 horsepower, uh, like amphibious, wonderful airplane. I love it. Little Rotax. Owned oh, by Paul Barnett. sounds like a blast. Oh, that's Paul. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're like 80 grand, and it's can do literally, I don't know, anything a Cub can do and more. That's awesome. I think that's a cool category because, you know, we always like, especially like the Warbird pilots and the high energy, you know, aerobatic pilots or whatever, like you're always thinking of like fast and, you know, big and whatever. But I, I, I don't know like the, the, that's kind of roots for me. Like, you know, 80, hundred horsepower, 65 horsepower, low and slow, just fun, you know, treetop skimming. And I don't know. For sure. I truly enjoyed my nine landings and sequence. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Um, so we have we have just a ton to talk about, um, but I want to tell people how we met. So my first year of the Collins Foundation um, was, oh gosh, what year was that, dude? That would have been 2014? Yeah, something like that. Uh, the first ground school or? Yeah, yeah. When yeah. we sat in the back. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So th- that, that year was like this insanely overcrowded year where like a bunch of like everybody got an invite and then a bunch of people showed up that didn't get an invite to the ground school. And I'm sitting there as like a brand new, you know, like I, I, I know like, I mean, John Saucedo I knew and Frank Hale and I had met Mac once. Um, how'd you, how'd you get invited I, Mark? So Frank Hale. Um, so I, I'd been like visiting the, the airplanes when they toured, um, for years um, and they would uh, Livermore uh, and Concord were both stops on the tour and both airports that I, I kind of uh, operated out of. And I posted on Facebook that, uh, Oh, I'm so excited. The B 17s in town. Like I'm going to go check it out. And um, it was always a great time of year. Cause you know, you just start hearing that drone, you know, uh, coming over your house, you know, and you're like run outside and man, the B 17 and B 24 flying over you. It was, it was always the best. So I obviously always loved it as a pilot. Um, and then I posted on Facebook and my friend who I was in the Navy with, she was like, Hey, you know, I, my husband flies with uh, one of the guys from there. I was like, no way. And she got, uh, myself and Frank Hale hooked up in Concord and was like, Hey, they're in Concord. Uh, Frank's over there flying with Mac go, uh, you know, he's waiting for you. I was like, okay. And so I went over there and, um, it was a day that everybody was packing up getting ready to go. I think they were going to Napa or something. And, um, Let's see here. I Mark's, went out. Mark's going to lose his shit on his kids in the background. I, you hear this? I, Do you I hear this? Just let him just rain some fire, man. Lay down the law. I'm just going to hit him. I'm just going to just smack him. Um, I want to know how they got out of the cage. Right? <laughs> um. So, yeah. So, I, I go out there and I, you know, I'm just like, I pick up cones. I get, because they're, it's a, it's a move day and everybody's getting ready to go. And so I'm just kind of helping out and I meet Mac and, and Frank's like, show me around and lets me sit in the cockpit and, um, actually, I have a picture of my oldest when she was, I mean, she would have been two um, in my lap of the B-17. So it was super cool. And then, you know, they're getting ready to go. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll watch you take off and stuff. And he's like, well, how would you like to come out and, you know, be a part of Collins Foundation? I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds that sounds delightful. Sure. 
just thinking like almost like nothing of it. Right. And then, uh, later on in the year that that would have been probably June timeframe. Um, and like December, I get an email from Jim Harley, who was the chief pilot at the time. Like, Hey, uh, ground school is going to be in, um, uh, Daytona beach, Florida. Come on out in January. I'm like, okay. And so I just kind of, uh, back then I wasn't flying for an airline. So I bought a ticket and showed up. I knew nobody, um, at the time. And, um, it was like kind of a big party, you know, evening kind of thing. And, and I just, I got to meet people and stuff like that it was cool. But the next morning, you know, it's, it's like this mad, mad rush out of the hotel rooms to, uh, go, it was off site that year. It was that big. So like the, the hotel was right next to Daytona, um, speedway and Daytona beach airport. The, the amount of people that showed up were, it was so big that they had to move the, uh, or like the conference room wasn't available at the hotel. So they had to have it at the airport. And so they were shuttling people over and, uh, you know, there's just like, I don't know, hundred, 150 people like in the hotel lobby and vans going to and from, and you know, everybody's buddy, buddy. So like, you know, fill up this car, fill up that car. All of a sudden the crowds are kind of dwindling, dwindling, dwindling. And I'm like, huh, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get here. And so I, and I walk outside <laughs> and then there were two. Yeah. And so I'm in the, I think I'm in the lobby by myself and then I walk out and I see, you know, this kid standing there. I'm like, Hey, are you with the calling? He's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I hope they come back. I'm like, Oh, me too, man. Like, and you know, got to talking, introduce ourselves. And I was like, Oh, what do you fly? You know, uh, for fun or what do you, what do you do? He's like, Oh, you know, I think, I think you, uh, had the extra 300 at the time. And, I go, I fly an extra 300. I was like, oh man, that's awesome. I fly pits and super D and, um, we just kind of got to chatting and that was kind of our first, uh, that was our first introduction to each other. And then, um, that was both of our first years at, at callings, uh, as, as volunteer pilots. And then, um, you know, Pinky went on to become the chief pilot there, which is just a insane, just an insane testament to everything that he does. But that's a um, cool story. That's really neat. It was, know, I didn't it was hear cool. the first part of that story before I might have to, hit up Frank Hale for a couple cases of beer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, shout out to Frank. Uh, you know, I, I like Frank. He's, he's a good guy. And it's, um, that was one of those, uh, that was one of those moments where I was like, man, th- th- this aviation community is, is, is small and, and awesome. You just never know who's going to, who's going to link you up with who to, you know, kind of, uh, help you out. Cause I, I would have ne- probably never been able to get on, um, any Warbird organization, you know, otherwise, right. Um, it's always all, all about who, you know, and so it was, it was kind of nice that the, that Frank, you know, extended the olive branch a little bit, but yeah. And then, then have, uh, been coming out, you know, every year since, uh, but yeah. And then getting to know pinky through, uh, him getting, you know, typed, I think you got your first type in the B 25 and then man, eventually yeah. became chief pilot. Um, uh, super cool. Is that one of those things like with the uh, bomber? Like, I know nothing about warbirds. And what I've heard, though, is the bigger they are, the easier they, they are. They flew in the war. They flew in the war. And um, they're, they're. They loosely uh, resemble they have... a bird. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Shit. But are, are they easier to fly as they're big, as they get bigger? Or like, is it. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> um, the B 25 is probably the easiest of the bombers. And the hardest is the B twenty four. So, that thing. I mean, truck. Holy shit, that thing is huge. I think she's gorgeous, Uh, but Mark will disagree. But uh, no, I man, I, you know, so 
the, this is probably cliche. I mean, everybody has some cheesy references to how they got into whatever they like, right? Like, you know, so many people will reference Top Gun, especially like my generation, like Top Gun was the movie, right? Um, everybody fell in love with that movie uh, from, from the aviation aspect of it and wanted to be a fighter pilot. Memphis Bell for me was that movie where I was like, Oh my God. Like the B I already liked the B 17, but like when that movie came out, I just, I couldn't believe, you know, and I'd seen the old war movies, but, um, the Memphis bell was really the, the, like the pivotal, like, wow, this is so cool. Cause it's in color. It's, it's modern. And it's like a motion picture about the war, but just about that famous airplane. And I went on kind of a little bit of a, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Rabbit hole is probably the, I guess the best way to describe it, but just started really falling in love with the B-17. And that's, that's what, what drew me to the Collins Foundation initially, um, just from a, just from a person grabbing the fence, looking in. And um, what's funny is the, the Collins Foundation had been coming to Livermore. I forgot um, the last year that I flew in there with the tour, but uh, which it would have been, it would have been last year, but um, I forgot how many years it's been there. I want to say it's like almost 20. Do you remember what? Pinky? How many years uh, Foundation's been coming to Livermore? Um, yeah, it's a longer tour. Yeah, I, or like, well past my days. Uh, yeah. Why do you think that the B-24 kind of got overshadowed by the B-17? Because I'm looking at it now as you guys are talking, and it does kind of grow on you. I mean, at first, it's like, uh, what is this thing? It looks like it's got a it needs a nose job or something. And Well, it's uh, ironic because that, that airplane, it carried more. It was more successful, and it had the first true... 25 mission completion by a crew, but Memphis bell got all the, the press. Yeah. So like, why, why does this not have a lot of the publicity even to this day? It's like, everything's B 17, like, and this thing just looks like a beast. Yeah. Um, I think it was well, one, cause it looks like a beast <laughs> <laughs> and Memphis bell was the pretty one that was in Memphis bell. Yeah. And, uh, two, I think crews really like the B 17 a lot better. Um, a lot of people will say that the B-17 was built for the crew in the Army Air Corps and the B-24 was built for the Army Air Corps. Um, and <laughs> its survivability rate was not as high as the B-17. Um, it was the first... Uh, the Davis airfoil was like the first time anyone ever put that airfoil on a wing. And on paper, it was really awesome. But in flight, it did replicate what it did on paper under the right hands some of the time. Oh, but... It really was the first laminar flow wing before the Mustang, but it didn't really get that performance um, gotcha. under the right hands. So, like I used to tell people, I love the B-24 from a modern perspective. Um, it's really fun for 20 minutes because it's really unstable. And, I mean, you're always flying it, but I couldn't imagine yeah. flying it for 14 hours. That would be terrible. And it's just crazy. Honestly. It's huge. With and a, without a little notch of flaps in it, it's so unstable. Yeah, for sure. That. And that, uh, that would only be really exaggerated at, oh, dude, <laughs> I never, I, you know, hopefully I get to fly it again, uh, someday, but, uh, I couldn't even come close to, I mean, it's, it's insane to watch somebody taxi that thing. Well, it's a huge, huge acquired skill. Yeah. I feel like if you were to take your average, like commercial multi-engine pilot and train them to like fly that well. Like, not fly it safely, but fly it really well from a PIC standpoint. It'd be like taking a non-tailwheel pilot and making them win in an intermediate contest in a pit. Oh, jeez. Like, <laughs> that's a fair, that's that's a really fair, yeah. Yeah, I yeah saw like the running joke is like, the running joke is if, if you can taxi it, you can fly it. 
Like if you can get it to the end of the runway, take it. Cause you're not going to yeah. do it. More or less. Yeah. That's pretty unruly. Yeah. There's like a video of you taking off in this thing and it looks like it's got like you, you look very attentive to it. To say the least. <laughs> you're just like totally focused. No, for on sure. It. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things about it is like, I've got over a thousand hours in the airplane and like literally every single takeoff and landing, you have to pay attention. Like, I mean, what other airplane, not, not, not pay attention, but what other airplane requires like constant mental effort after a thousand hours in for takeoff and landing and just general yeah. flying. So is it more than a pits then? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A pits is like, I don't know. It's like 172 compared to it. Jeez. Honestly, after, after a hundred hours in the pits, like I stopped thinking about it just like almost most of these, like the extra, I mean, sure. Pinky would attest like you don't have you, you think, but you're not, you don't gear up for the landing. I don't mean gear up. Like I don't, that's not the pun I mean, but like, you don't you know, get ready. You don't, you don't, you don't prep. You know what I mean? For um, sure. You, you, you are attentive, but you don't, you're not like thinking, thinking about the entire process. Whereas like, I'm sure in all these, um, you know, heavy bombers, like that, that just never goes away. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I could get like, I could get you from chalk to chalk talking you through it on probably your first or second flight, but uh, to do it really nicely on your own planning and accord without hurting the airplane or hurting the engines gets pretty challenging. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, like we we had a considerable amount of time. Cock to cock or chalk. I said one of those things. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Pretty bad memory. What's going on in this Warbird community? I don't know if I want to. Can't take you anywhere. (laughs) Can't take you anywhere. When the cockpit partitions closed, man. <laughs> Jeez, Louise at B twenty four. Yeah, you know, I, I have like he's got over a thousand in it. I probably have twenty hours in it, which in any other airplane, like, okay, hey, twenty hours, like that's awesome. Like you you get a type rating in any jet in less than that. Um and how, you know how heavy is it like flying? It seems like it's it's very heavy. Like on the uh, like flight control heavy wise or weight? Yeah, like everything, elevator, aileron, rudder. Yeah, so uh, the ailerons are really, really light, um, surprisingly light. And the elevator is very heavy, and the rudders are medium. Um, And, like, you know, one of the first indications of a stall is you can really tell how, like, dead the ailerons are in terms of airflow. Because, like, right before it stalls, it the ailerons will start to smash from side to side, like, from stop to stop. And that's your, like, first indication of a stall. Are you serious? But, uh, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, that Davis wing, they never really used it again for good reason. <laughs> oh, my God. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a tricky wing. That, that thing does, it feels, it just feels funny. It doesn't feel like your normal wing, which it's not. But Yeah, it's like flying a helicopter, basically. More or less, in oh, terms of stability. So that's your that's your favorite any warbird fighter bomber you'd pick if you had them all lined up that's the one you'd pick. Uh, uh maybe that's a tough one for you, right? Because you've flown freaking for like, sure. Everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Pick pick your favorite, and then I want to run through what you have in your in your logbook. Your repertoire. Wow. Um, yeah, fav- I mean B twenty four is up there. I think the Mustang is. <sighs> You know, like when people ask me, one of my, I'll tell people that like, I don't like my answer, but it's the Mustang, <laughs> uh, which is like Just the most cliche thing to say, Yeah, but yeah. it really is the best rounded 
warbird out there. I mean, it, it got its reputation for a reason, and it's probably the easiest airplane to just kick the tires and light the fires. I mean, it's always good. Um, you know, you maintain them, you do inspections, but they generally don't break. Um, so it's, and it's also, if you come to like flight characteristics, you know, the Corsair is really, really cool. The Corsair is like, would probably be an acro guy's favorite airplane because it's like as light on the controls as an extra. Oh, wow. Where the Mustang is like pretty heavy. If you went and flew one tomorrow, you'd be like, God, this thing's a pig. Yeah. What yeah. was the ni- what was the nicest Mustang you've ever flown? Because there's there's a bunch of them out there. You don't have to say if you don't want to, if it's gonna hurt other people's feelings. You could say um, you could say the safe word if you want. <laughs> I'll say you've seen the nicest Mustang I've ever flown. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I've flown um, in that actually. It's it is actually really nice, I gotta say. Very light. Yeah, I picked it up from the restoration shop. What's Actually, the name of it? Up, but I oh, we can't say because then we're gonna know. I'm sure we can. Yeah, Tiger's Revenge. Yeah, well, it's the newest. It's one of the newer ones. But I flew. Yeah, I got lucky. I got to go in a ride in um, another Mustang um, about ten years ago, and you know it had this thick. I don't know how accurate it is flying the thing from the back, and it just felt like really, really heavy. It was it was um, kind of underwhelming um, in that aspect. I mean, just sitting it, sitting in it, and flying it, and getting that view is priceless it was really an amazing thing i'm really grateful for it um but i just remember the controls being like super the very very heavy and then i got to fly in the one up here and um it was really nicely rigged it was just very uh, not light but definitely lighter than the other one and uh just really nice so i guess there's a lot of uh are there certain people out there that can rig the the, like the go-to people to rig them and yeah, so that one has servo tabs, and um, oh, that, makes that was not an original thing. That's a that's something that they put in a lot of TFs. Um, and so, was the first one you flew? Was that just a D with a stick in the back? Yeah, it was the uh, glamorous girl or gal. Gotcha. Yeah, so that's kind of hard to. A lot of the like D dual control kits um, don't really represent the airplane from the back seat. It's just kind of different, but the TFs do a pretty good job. And actually the TFs are almost lighter in pitch in some ways. Um, uh, so, but yeah, that one has servo tabs and they were actually over adjusted when I flew it from the restoration shop to where like you would pull the nose up and push the stick over for a roll and it would like take it out of your hand and you could put your hands in the air and it would continue rolling. Oh geez. <laughs> I mean, oh, I liked it, but <laughs> yeah. Well, that's but the funny thing about the Mustang. pretty heavy. Yeah, as an like acro people, I've heard this. It's so common. Um, uh, just, just from being on the tour and watching people who have either a pilot's license that fly aerobatics or that know aerobatics, the Mustang is almost, it's always going to be underwhelming for, for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I, that's true. I mean, I think people always come back disappointed, you know, it's weird for sure. And there's an art to flying the Mustang. Like, um, you know, any acro guy can get in there and do pretty much anything that the airplane's capable of. But I think it's a lot more challenging airplane to fly pretty than a lot of acro airplanes. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Like smooth. Yeah, for sure. Without, you know, without pushing negative one on every roll you do. Um, That was something a lot of acro guys would do. Uh, Yeah. And I try to keep it like zero at the lowest. But I don't know. It's, I think it's a great airplane. I mean, the stuff that it will do from like sea level up to its service ceiling of 410 is just amazing. Wow. Yeah. I've got all of two hours in, in like Toulouse nuts is it. Um, and I was, 
when you just from st- uh, startup to shutdown, the most impressive thing is just how impress. It's just how crazy right they got that airplane in almost every aspect from going like what was it sixty days clean sheet to prototype. I mean, it was it's like a hundred and twenty uh, something days, but I'm sure people will oh gosh, correct me. It, yeah, either way, it was short. I I couldn't remember. That's that's still really short. Sixty days is really short, <laughs> but um. Uh, it's such an impressive airplane. It, all, uh, you know, again, two whole hours. So who am I to talk? But it seems to me that it doesn't have really any bad habits from a flying standpoint. Would you, I mean, aside from maybe like spinning it, you know, yeah, what kind of I bad mean, habits have you found? It's got a, you know, it like you're, you're super, you're totally correct. It's wonderful. Um, it's got basically, I mean, it's not defined, but I'm sure it has a VMC speed where if you got super, super slow with a lot of power in it, it starts to get upset. Like, um, you know, one of the things you teach on the top of a loop for new pilots is, you know, when you stall the airplane, it's not like an acro airplane. We're just going to buff it and then you could spin it. Um, it's going to start doing some really cool gyroscopic things that a lot of people wish they could do in an extra. Um, but yeah. you don't want to do with a 600 pound propeller hanging off the crankshaft. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, it um, would be fun to tumble that thing once, you know? Yeah, yeah. Chase your prop <laughs> to the ground. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Has anything ever like happened? Any cool stories you can you can talk about? Um, and if not, we get it. But any uh, any uh, crazy things happen? That any good stories? Uh, I mean, so you know, teaching people loops and stuff. I've torqued out of a bunch of stuff, and I've had all sorts of various stuff happen in different Mustangs, but nothing that would be too wild and crazy oh, that's uh, good. that I could share at least. Yeah. So that's possible. That's possible that because, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, a fellow around here, I'm sure you know about it um, in that P40 off the South Shore um, spun out of the top of the loop. That's that's something that can actually happen, huh? Just from P40 the- off the South Shore. Was that P40? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeff Pino? No, no, no. Um, um, I don't want to say the name on the air. Um, I'll text it to you or something. But yeah, it was like a looping figure in the top of the loop. Um, it, it air just, show? No, no, no. Practice. Okay. Um, it just got away. But that can you can actually spin out of just doing a, a plain vanilla loop on those things? Yeah, so it's not going to – a lot of people think they are spins, but it's it won't just spin. But what it will do is start to torque out of the loop. Um, yeah. and it will start doing weird things and it will, and you, you can tell it's not spin because if you pull the power off, it points towards the ground and resumes normal airplane like behavior. But, you know, people will, uh, will think it's a spin and do anti-spin recoveries and start doing outside snaps or all sorts yeah. of odd stuff. But it's really and- just, you I mean, like an aerobatic airplane has way more control authority than it has torque in any phase of flight, you can push the power up right from like a stop and push the stick forward, raise the tail and all that where the Mustang, it's got a lot more torque than it has control authority. That's why people are like, Oh, is the Mustang difficult to fly? And I'm like, not really, but you don't have a ton of authority. So like, I mean, you'd go out and land it and you'd be like, Oh, all right. But you know, if it gets any bit sideways, you don't have a ton of rudder to fix it. So. Yeah. yeah, and you can't really. You don't really. I mean, you, I guess you can, but can you fix it with like blurps of of power? Like, you know, I mean, not that this is not really standard practice in a lot of aerobatic airplanes, but you know, a lot of things you can fix with just hey, a little bit of power and get that shit back on track. You can't. Can you, yeah, do you really I mean, do that? I don't know the diameter of the prop disc, but it, 
it really doesn't help any awkward situation that you find yourself in to push the power up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You re- basically have to keep it straight or go around early. Yeah. So. Yeah, because torque is really the prominent force in a lot of these airplanes. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be the over controlling force in almost any any single seat fighter. Yeah, and a lot of people were like, they asked me, how much right rudder do you need? Does your foot get tired? It's like not much because torque is a rolling moment. So <laughs> yeah. Take off. yeah, I mean, a lot of people, and I know many many fighter pilots that will push the power up with the stick straight. Um, and roll down the runway and they're using a lot of right rudder and I've taken videos of this, but like with the ailerons all the way over to the right, cause torque is a rolling moment. It's rolling the airplane and squatting down on that left main, yeah, which is more drag, which is causing yaw. So I tell people to treat the cause and not the symptom, put the right aileron in and then slowly take it out as you accelerate. Uh, you're very, very minimal, especially with a steerable tailwheel. If you're using a lot of right rudder on takeoff, you are dragging that tailwheel. If that makes sense. Um, so just be slow with it and it's faster than a lot of people think you can like you can get right up to 55 inches um if you're doing it right huh. okay like the p40 is almost uncontrollable without right aileron interesting just because it has just that le- that much less tail surface on the rudder uh it's got more i mean it's just very short coupled um huh. it's nowhere near as difficult as people say it is but it's you know, it, it squats a lot into that left main if you're not using any right aileron. Okay. I'll remember the like first time I uh, take out my P40. Gotta try to. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that must be more pronounced like with oleo strut or a, or a strutted gear system airplane too. I mean, where you must really, like the effects must really be pronounced. Yeah, for sure. So like, you know, it's kind of hard to service those struts really well on the road. Um, uh, you know, the right way to service struts is to jack the airplane up, completely drain all the uh, air, top off the fluid, and then service it to a specified amount. But if you get them off, especially, like, the wrong way, so if the right strut's a little higher than the left, or you have, like, a right crosswind, it can become squirrely. That's really, oh, yeah. like, some of the only time the Mustang is difficult is, like, a crosswind on takeoff, a right crosswind on takeoff. Like, on landing, okay. the airplane has got such a high wing loading that once you touch down... It's, I mean, there's no aileron input needed. You put them in, but it's really just rudder. It, it's done flying. Yeah. I was really impressed with the Mustang. Uh, I have no other, you know, and again, it's very little, but just like from start to finish, how stable that airplane is. And it's funny to hear people talk, you know, they say like, you know, start with the Mustang, then go to the T6, then go to the Stearman, <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And it makes total sense um, having you know, one hour in a Stearman and like two hours in a T6 and two hours in the Mustang. Um, I'm, I'm not the relevant person to make the statement, but would you say that that's kind of true as far as the hierarchy of difficulty of these airplanes? Uh, I would, that's a hierarchy of squirreliness of these airplanes. Um, yeah, yeah, certainly not performance and envelope, of course. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think the Mustang still is more difficult than the T6. Um, but if you can fly a T6, you can pretty easily get the Mustang from chock to chock. Um, yeah. Whether you're going to like overheat the engine or bust 200 knots in a class Delta is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. And okay, the so... like the most squirrely, right? But it's got a ton of rudder like an acro airplane. I mean, the ailerons are gigantic. The tail is huge. You can be like on one main 45 degrees off runway heading and save it with rudder. Yeah. The Mustang 
you would definitely be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a bad that's a bad deal. For sure. So yeah, but I do think more when I get into a T6 than I do when I get into a Mustang. <laughs> wait a second. Let's get back to this. You're not even 25, and you have all this, all this, uh, um, what should we call it, experience, and flew all these airplanes. I mean, how many, Mark? I think you were going to ask it, right? What was it? Oh, I was just going to say. Sorry, I'm, I'm sipping my delicious Cab Franc here. Um, you, you know, he, he named. You have a problem, he, sir. He t- <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't exactly call it a problem. <laughs> um, you know, he's, he's, he's type dropping all these airplanes here. Like let's, let's, let's get the list here. Um, yeah, man. can you, I mean, I, and I'm sure you're going to forget, you'll probably forget more types than I, than I could even imagine, but you know, can I you give us a rundown of just what you, that. what you have? Right. Oh man. Yeah. I knew this would come. I probably should have studied my certificate more, but, um, I wish Pinky wasn't so know, humble. Flew. I wish he was like, yeah, I fucking did. I flew all this shit and I'll fly it again. <laughs> you know? I know. He comes on, he's like, oh, you want to know what I've flown? Hey, name something. Because I've yeah. fucking flown it. Yeah. <laughs> all name right, it. let's start from the beginning. Cessna 152. <laughs> Cessna 172. Wait, was it an Aerobat? Because we have a soft spot for Aerobats on this podcast. I absolutely love the 152 yeah. Aerobat. I think that thing's more fun than a Cetabria. So you, I was saying the wonderful. same thing, dude. I, I don't want one. I don't have any one. experience. I've never flown one. Mark's you never flown one, right? No, I've got like I've got like the 152 I had at the flight school was an Aerobat. That was my Oh, you flew an Aerobat. Oh, dude, I've got probably 30 or 40 hours in it. Yeah, oh I love that. And how many hours you got it's in fun. that Aerobat, uh, Pinky? I took my private pilot certificate in an Aerobat, but uh probably around the same as Mark, but they snap roll so much better than a Cetabria. And like yeah. I wouldn't recommend snap rolling a Cetabria, but I don't think the Cessna cares at all. So no. can you could you um could you do a quarter roll on the upline? Because my follow-up question to that is can it win an intermediate? <laughs> so Ooh. I actually think you probably could do a quarter roll on the upline. Because what could. is the NE in a one fifty two? It's like one thirty, but the yeah. Aerobat, it's like hundred and seventy two. And I don't know why I remember that number, but I bet you if you hit you know, red line and pulled. I think it's like six G's. It's got higher G limits than a Cetabria. Yeah. The vertical, I'm sure you could do a quarter on the up. So yeah, I think air, you can. This airplane would have no problem winning in Sportsman. Yeah, for I sure. Think, I think you could do it. I don't know. I really do no, most you... of them, most of them don't have inverted systems, but it doesn't matter for a second. Can you come back to competition and win in Sportsman in an Aerobat, please? Please, God. <laughs> if someone can find me an Aerobat, I'll certainly come and lose in an Aerobat, but have oh a great God. time. <laughs> I, I really want one, dude. I'm not kidding. I, the more I okay, – no, not and, to and, talk – And I, Mark, we'll sponsor the airplane. We'll get like vinyl of Fly Cool Shit logos all over it. It'd be so awesome. <laughs> dude, that'd be, be so awesome. We should have like a, a Bay Area Aerobatic Club and add it to the, to the club. Dude, that'd be so much fun. I mean, like from the Iron Eagle days, like I, I dreamed about, you know, obviously watching them like, oh man, they all, oh, this guy's got a decathlon. So the guy's got a trauma hawk and fucking Doug Masters has a, has an aerobat. Like I just like dreamed about having an aerobat. Cause I, I mean, it's, it's, it's great flying airplane. Um, and honestly, I think you, dude, to see somebody whoop monkey ass in sportsman and a 152 aerobat would be hilarious. And that'd be amazing too, because like you'd get like some guy who just won unlimited, you know, trained for like 15, 20 years. And all everybody would talk about was the guy in the 152 Aerobat. <laughs> yeah. You know, even for in sure. Twitter, everywhere across the, uh, 
it might even go like you know uh, inter you know global or whatever and uh, interglobal interglobal <laughs> um, <laughs> but like you know you get like rob holland in the room with whoever this guy was that one in our fictional character here and everybody would just be like yeah so like tell us about the arabat meanwhile like rob strained his whole life <laughs> and I'm like, you, you would have to enter you whoever flies this airplane would have to enter as doug masters yeah like you you have to enter as doug masters that's a oh my god we gotta do this yeah all right, so we talked about Cessna's. Warbird wise, no, this is this is this is why this is why the tens of listeners follow this podcast. Oh, we um, made double digits. We have double digits. Seriously, yeah, dude, ten, ten. Actually, you know what? Uh, Luke messaged us today on Facebook. That's, I think that's eleven. Oh my god, pretty so good, dude. Great. Pretty good. I'll probably, yeah. I'll probably listen to this episode, so I'll make it twelve. Twelve. Damn, cool. dude. You need to be a full time listener. Come on, man. Help, help a brother. I out. am. I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> so warbird wise, uh, your first. What was your first warbird? Steerman. Uh, the steerman. Yep. Yeah. Um, I and flew then, a steerman you, from uh, like Colorado area to Rhode Island for a friend when I was seventeen. Oh, geez. And that was kind of my first like solo warbird adventure. What time of year was it? December, actually. Yeah. Oh, is there ever a good time of year for that? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> so you're fighting yeah. wind, cold, and in an open cockpit. Jesus. Yeah, it was it was wonderful. I loved every second of it, and then I would never do it again. Yeah, yeah. I can like I, plenty I, of steerman time for a lifetime. <laughs> I, I can understand that. So then, um, you didn't have much T six time before coming to Collins. I don't think, or maybe you did. I can't remember. I did. You know, I had some friends in the local area that I flew T sixes for, and um, you know, I did some. Pseudo training in the T6 for some people in the local area, but uh, that's right. I didn't have the full industry standard 200 before I came to Collings. But, okay, uh, so then you you were yeah. balls deep in Collings at that point. I mean, or like once you came, once you came, it was like that. That was it. Like what was? I mean, you changed you know your life. You changed your life essentially. Um, you know, from the time that we met at Collings to becoming chief pilot, like you became Collings Foundation. Yeah, man. They started paying me 20 bucks a day and that was an offer I could not refuse. So no, you you can so so many beer with that. Yeah. I mean, I actually met them originally uh, the year before you and I met at ground school. And I forgot actually, you left out the part of that story where we showed up, you know, late and that we were at the back of the class and there wasn't enough paperwork for us. Yeah, we didn't, we, didn't, we didn't get packets. I don't even know if we got chairs. I don't remember if we got chairs. We definitely didn't get a table. Yeah, was, definitely no table. I think maybe the first couple hours with no chairs, and then we we uh, fought some people for some chairs. And yeah, we, uh, but uh, yeah, the, the uh, let's see here. The fall before that, uh, through John Salcedo, I came out and just kind of hung out with the Collins Foundation. And, did you meet uh, him at Warbird yeah. Adventures? Yep, met him at Warbird Adventures. Um, it's a great dude to fly with. Had a bunch of fun, and then I showed up one day and like just showed up, said hi. We're all sitting around, and I was gonna just clean the B twenty four and like ride on it to the next stop. And John's like, "Well, I'm gonna go do like a cur- currency hop in the Mustang because I guess it had been like I don't know two months. He's still current, but he just really wanted an excuse to go fly it. I was like, "Can I come?" And he's like, "Ah, oh, shit, I guess." <laughs> and so, <laughs> that sounds very much back. like him, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Rode along with him in the back and then ended up um, 
ride in the B24 and then actually did some training, got trained up in the B24 for, you know, non-revenue on a move and uh, stayed like two or three weeks when I planned on staying a day and then showed up at ground school and met you and sat in the back of the class with you. So and the rest is history. The rest is history. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeff, funny, funny, fun fact here. So, uh, John Salcido, who he mentioned, um, was the first person that introduced me to tailwheel flying on the West coast. I had my oh, first Satabri flight ever with him. He was my CFI. And then he, pinky met him clear across the country in Florida at Warbird adventures. So oh, it's just so weird how like, so much of this ties together in such weird ways, but, um, and then I met him in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York. <laughs> and geez. then, uh, we moved over to, um, Morristown, New Jersey. And that's why I got stuck for two weeks. Cause, uh, the airplane had a mechanical and I ended up sitting there and helping with the mechanical for like two weeks. And I think I was called out sick from high school at the time. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I was called out awesome. sick from high school. Um, <laughs> Actually, I think I was suspended because of senior prank for that Wildwood contest that we met at, Jeff. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, my God. That's hysterical. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, there was like, what do you got, like five absences in high school? I forget. It's been like 20 years. I was a bad student. I'm sure I exceeded whatever it was by a lot. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You did the Wildwood contest. What airplane did you fly there? I know it was a Super D. But... I flew there with uh, Dumovic. And, that's and, um, right. That's right. Gruelian's airplane. So. so you did, and you did really well and everything. And then I guess you just, you know, the Warbird thing, um, you started hitting up the uh, the whole Warbird thing and the competition thing took a, a little, uh, I guess you didn't have time for it. But uh, did you like competition? I loved competition because it was like, I mean, competition compared to an air show is just wonderful, right? I mean, like everybody has fun and at the end of the day, you go drink beer. So this Not is that a, I ever was old enough to do that at a contest, but. Yeah, allegedly. But th- so this is a real thing that you might actually fly a, a 152 Aerobat. In a, I mean, I would fly out to watch to watch that happen. <laughs> I mean, if I could find a 152 Aerobat to, find, to fly a contest with, I would have loved to. I mean, I'm looking forward it's to so much fun. hopefully. Bringing the extra to one and playing around in a good time. Yeah, so we didn't even mention that. Um, Pinky is an esteemed partner in in our beautiful Midwing 300, which is awesome. So yeah, I've owned it for, uh, let's see here, was it nine months now I've had my share? And I've flown it like, I don't know, nine times. Yeah, how, how many, um, how, it was what, like, yeah, a month or two uh, before her, uh, her little boo-boo? Yeah, it was, uh, it was a holiday when you called about that, wasn't it? Easter Sunday. I'll never forget it. So when you heard about this like little boo-boo and, um, you know, the extra ground loop and everything like that, how mad were you at Mark for doing that? And then you found out he actually didn't like <laughs> you had to have thought that he did it right. Cause he's the shittiest pilot in the world. Uh, let's see here. <laughs> I'd be like fucking be Mark, gentle. damn it. Be gentle guys. Be gentle. Uh, how did it go? I think Mark called me. It was Easter. I'm having like, some Easter food, whatever that might be. What a dick. And, he couldn't uh, even like wait till after the holiday. Nothing's going to happen anyway. He just totally ruined your holiday. <laughs> he, he goes, man, our extra ground loop today. And I think I was like, man, are you okay? No. How, how did it happen, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, what the fuck did you do? <laughs> Were you wearing a helmet? <laughs> At the time of me calling him from my house? Yes, I was. Uh, sure. <laughs> 
Perfect. That's yeah. Cool. I thought after you called me actually made me feel more comfortable. They did a phenomenal job on your guys' airplane though. Holy shit. Yeah. That's yeah, gorgeous. I, I'm I'm so happy. Um I couldn't be happier with how it how it came out. I mean yeah. Um it obviously such an unfortunate thing to happen, but um you know, it's good to have Pinky as a as a partner in it and um you know, she's back and she's got just the freshest fresh oil you've ever seen in her right now as she sits in her hangar. So it's kind of fun to go change the oil and have an airplane back. But it, yeah, it's going to be great, dude. I, I'm um I talk with Petra all the time about competing in in 2021, so we'll we'll pair up and fly her down to some contests and I'll embarrass myself. Oh, you won't trust me. I'll, I'll do that for you. Oh, oh, <laughs> just you, you just watch. You should ask. Uh, well, I'm asking you to ask Pinky when we're all in this together. I'm such an idiot. No. <laughs> um, you want me to text Pinky something? Is that what you want? No, no, no. Um, I was going to say because you know, since he hasn't listened to our podcast, what we were going to do with the uh, or suggest with the competitions and stuff is to do uh, WWF style title belts for winners and uh, whoever won. <laughs> I dig it. Right. I totally dig it. Would you like, yeah. so would you go to a contest that had title belts that you wouldn't normally go to? I don't know how to phrase that correctly. For sure. It depends how far away it is, but yeah, absolutely. So if you're, so you're saying like if your distance was say 200 uh, an hour, you would double it. You go two hours to that one. That seems like a safe analysis. Yeah, right? I'd say so. Yeah, totally. You know, I want to step back just a second to embarrassing yourself at a contest. The most embarrassed I've ever been at a contest, and this is with an East Coast guy with a mid-wing 300, nicest dude in the world. I'm sure you know him really well, Petro. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> I'm thinking, but keep going. <laughs> so my oh, first ever flight yeah, in yeah. the box. <laughs> yeah, he's from where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> um, my first ever flight in the box, the biggest thing I was concerned about is like making the wrong turn. I think it was like a half roll down or up or something and ending up pointed the wrong way. And so he comes over to me, super nice guy. He's like, man, how was your first flight in the box? And I was like, man, you know, I don't know. It was awesome. I didn't hard zero every figure, so I'm happy. And he like, his face just changes and he turns around and walks away. And I was like, oh no, what did I do? What did I say? And then like, later that day, it turned out he hard zeroed every figure. And I was like, oh shit. Oh my God. <laughs> he thought I was making fun of him. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like I could have done that easily. Like I am not making fun of anyone. I'm sure he's oh. way better than I am. But <laughs> <laughs> that's classic. That is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that is awesome. I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have been there. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> and again, like I can't talk yeah. how nice this gentleman is. <laughs> oh, everybody from New England is nice. Everybody's like so nice. Yeah, and like so when nice. I come up there, I'm like, "What's your? Are you being sarcastic? Because nobody is this nice." <laughs> and we're all like, oh, those New Yorkers are coming. Yeah. I was just going to say, and Petra is such an, just an insufferable asshole to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like my voice is intolerable. I'm sure they come and they're like, I'll get the coffee and I'll get the uh, Long Island. I get that all the time. It's so funny. Don't forget annoying. your helmet before you start the plane. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh God, I'm just going to leave. <laughs> get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> Oh man, I'm excited for you to come back to competition after you're done. Well, you've flown every Warbird, so like, what else is there to do at this point, right? Besides, well, let's. Yeah, so we, he still has not divulged his his <laughs> list of airplanes to us. We don't know if he's flown every Warbird. Like, we got we got a we got a list here. I got a list right here. 
<laughs> Do you have a list right there? I don't. No. You Mark, call my bluff. You Mark, call my bluff. Does, Mark doesn't do any homework. The only Royal State the only, the only pre-production we do is like we're like, hey, you want to record? And Mark's like, yeah, fuck yeah. And I'm like, all right, I'll be on. Let's like do this in like five ten minutes. And then for like two minutes, I'm typing frantically an email to Mark on on notes on our podcast. <laughs> I'm like, I'll I'll read you some of them right now. Like uh, type of helmet type of helmet you use. Rob is the Jenna Jameson of flying because he flies everything. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. Now, most, when, wh- hold on. Most hold favorite, on, hold on, most favorite hold on, airport. I, hold on. Those are my notes. Hold I'm on. not making this up. I'll send you the email. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Will COVID right, or on. Adrian knock out massage? <laughs> Petro. Petro. Hold on. Petro. Hold on. Right. I need you to hold on here. I need you to hold on. Because he's been inside every Warbird, wouldn't he be the Ron Jeremy? Oh, my God. You know, that's why you're the, that's why you're the head guy on this thing. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Oh I am God. like game set and match. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. We'll I'll be a, here all night. No, we're going to make a meme and uh, we're just going to Photoshop Rob Pinkston's um, face on Ron Jeremy inside a P51 cockpit. I love it. That would be a, I'd be honored. You can, if you did that. You can make, uh, you can, uh, you know, transpose a P51 over Jenna Jameson for that, for that little meme. Um, that would be pretty sweet. Again. Again, uh, yeah, I can't keep yeah. up with you. <laughs> All right, so let's let's run through. And by the way, just uh, so it's public knowledge, Mark is the one who came up with the 152 Aerobat. That was all Mark. Remember where we were one up in each other? That was all you too. You're just like a uh, God. You're an idea man. Am I the songbird of our generation? Maybe. You are. <laughs> I didn't say it. You know, maybe. You should um, work at Johnson and Johnson and just come up with like good ideas, good slogans. <laughs> <laughs> the idea man yeah um that's not i do i i telling you oops sorry i mean i didn't mean to bump the mic for everybody that just got their fucking ears popped off but uh was that your penis? i like the one the year it, it was it was i'm just just so excited just <laughs> so, so excited right excited. now about about the 152 aerobat i actually do, I, I love that airplane i you know people talk about the super decathlon is obviously like the base you know like that's like the what is it like the default, you know, grassroots beginner aerobatic airplane, especially like in the competition world, nobody gives the 152 any kind of credit. Not that it deserves a whole lot of credit or anything, but it's yeah, so, like the so 152 is such like a better flying airplane. The 152 is like the B24 of the Warburg community, just completely overshadowed. Interesting. Yeah. 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 And just really, really easy to fly. You see, we worked on that for about two days <laughs> in the, the B24 production. That's what we were the like, B24's we're going really to circle back and make it about the B twin. Then all of a sudden we're going to hit them with the comparison. This is how we, this is how far in depth we go with this podcast. People right now are crashing their cars because their minds have been blown so hard. Yeah. I'm um, still on Tim and Jameson of airplanes. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I like I it. it. I love it. Um, anyway. Sorry. So obviously you have, you, you have, you have aerobatic airplanes uh, before the warbird stuff starts taking over, but as far as Warbirds go, I mean, because, you know, you want to talk about the most exclusive type of flying in the GA community. Hands down, it's Warbird flying at all. I mean, if you could get any Warbird in your logbook, no matter what, you're in a very, very small percentage. But you have had the the pleasure and honor of flying just, just about everything. I mean, just about everything. Like, really. Um, what like, Can you li- just list off some of the stuff 
that off the top of your head that that you have time in? Uh, yeah, I mean, actually, I, wait, I got a better right? idea. I got to wait, time out because we're ADD. What if Mark and I just keep rattling off names to you and you just go yes or no? Sure. You into that? I'm going to know Mark actually because he probably knows about most of them. Yeah, I'm going to know more. Well, I'm probably going to know more warbirds in general. Yeah, so I'll just quit Petro when I run out. He, he's going to be right. like semi truck, semi truck. I don't know. F sixteen, F eighteen, F twenty two. Nope. Good year, I, don't I don't know. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, All right, start us off, start us off, Petro. All right, Bonanza A thirty six. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, let's start with the obvious. So P forty. Duh. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, Bearcat. Nope. Have not flown a Bearcat. Ooh. Wildcat. See? I actually have not flown a Wildcat. Oh, See? I told you guys. Jenna James but he has my flown, ass. He, <laughs> he has flown the next kitty, the Hellcat. I have flown the Hellcat. Yeah. That's a wonderful airplane. Uh, zero. Like, I have flown the Zero. Yeah. Corsair. Yep. I think last time I saw Jeff, I taxied past him in a Corsair, but didn't say hi. I had a huge boner. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? What else? Um, bu- 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 uh, Spitfire. Not the Spitfire yet either. Oh my God. Mark, we're like I know. crushing him right now. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually liking this. <laughs> this it's, is more fun than me listing off the ones I have. <laughs> I love it's it. taking him down a peg, which is really fun, you know, because he just sits on this pedestal all the time and it's disgusting. Yeah. I do. I do. I wear, you know, I'm, it's actually, I didn't bring it, but I wear a shirt that says, I have flown all these types every day. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone that meets me knows. And I have like a little handout that I hand to like pilots of commercial airliners I ride on. Does it say, no? does that shirt say, no pictures, please? Right on the top. <laughs> Depends on my mood. I have one that says no pictures and one that says please pictures. <laughs> please, please help me. He charges for autographs too. Hey, I got a um. Hey, <laughs> remember last podcast? Hi. Hi. <laughs> All right. Um. No, I got a ride in the uh, Avenger the other day. It sounds like my no, life cool. is pretty. All these things happen very random and throughout like a ten year span. By the way, so I don't get the. I mean, I'm very lucky to. I got to, but it doesn't happen a lot. But I got to ride in the Avenger, and that thing is freaking awesome. It's like a big cub. It's just such a, it's such a sweetheart that airplane. It is. That's a really cool airplane, and uh, the only like difficult thing about it is remembering that you're taller than a seven thirty seven, and it flies like a cub. It flies like a cub that you need like both hands and both feet to move the flight controls. But it's smooth. It's just so smooth. It's like one of the most stable airplanes I've flown. Truly, like you can trim it up in formation and just like roll the trim in a little bit when the lead takes a turn. <laughs> it's That's crazy awesome. smooth. So, what about bombers? You flew B twenty four, B seventeen, B twenty five. What do we miss in there? Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess you p- put the Sky Raider in the bombing section a little oh, bit. But... Nice. Yeah, because the version you flew was more of the. Well, I guess none of them are single seat fighter. It's all ground yeah, attack. Yeah, I flew two Sky Raiders. Um, I've flown the 84N and the uh, 85, which is like the A1E. Um, and the 85, the one that you're talking about, did you ever fly in that? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because we, uh, well, in the back, going from uh, Stockton to Livermore. Ah, yeah. Did we turn her upside down? 
Yes, we did. And we were all wearing parachutes and everything was golden. And, Absolutely. Um, not on an airway. <laughs> that <laughs> airplane. Miles away. Correct. And we were 1,500 feet AGL or more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, um, again, that airplane is like, go ahead. No, no, you. That, that's like one of my favorite airplanes ever because like the, I mean, the gross weight is 26, six, 26,600 pounds. And you can take five of your friends and go do aerobatics and it rolls about like an S to B if you have speed. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible roll rate for what it is. It's got 26 feet of hydraulically boosted aileron and it's 3000 PSI at idle with hydraulic pressure. Oh, sounds intense. It's a cool it's airplane. Insane. So I'm gonna. That's sure. a really cool airplane. I'm gonna refer. Plus the, plus the engine is insane. Like, like that. Oh man. Twenty seven hundred <laughs> horsepower and it's smooth as an electric motor. I mean, Jeez. it's really wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's actually probably one of the more difficult single engine airplanes I've flown in a crosswind. There's just uh, no rudder, no tail. Yeah. There's there's no rudder. There's a lot of vertical and like the whole the whole big thing of like World War II Navy or World War II and in, in that era Navy versus Army airplanes is that the Navy airplanes don't have steerable tailwheels because Navy airplanes weren't made to taxi. And yeah. a steerable tailwheel was like really, really important for landing in crosswinds and shit. So um, they all walk straight ahead and you've just got the rudder um, and then brakes at slow speed, but it can be super challenging. And with uh, it's a really, really early hydraulic assist. So there's no, there's no like artificial feel on the ailerons. And um, you know, like it's, hard to know how much aileron you need because there's plenty there's really is plenty but like you know it'll start going the wrong way <laughs> if you have too much and you don't there's no feedback in it so but other than that it's really really fun that was a cool airplane it was fun to see that thing come out on tour for a bit that was really fun yeah it's a blast the single seat's even cooler but oh man so that thing, it's got nice. a lot less vertical and it's shaped a lot better. And uh, just it, that thing's like a cub. You can come in at like yeah, 18,000 pounds and hold it off and three point it at like 80 knots. Oh, geez. Do you notice the, the, the fuselage profile seems so different? Yeah. And the fact that we carried a drop tank all the time in the 85 and that really, really blanks out not just the rudder, but also the elevator. And you're touching down like. 10, 10, 15 knots faster than the wing wants to touch down. So imagine okay. like landing and touching down in an extra at like 110. Yeah. Like you're, yeah, you're pretty, driving pretty it pretty on. Squirrely. Yeah. 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 I mean, you don't have to drive it on, but you just don't have like you're, you're running out of elevator, but the wing has got plenty left in it. Plenty of lift. Yeah. So, uh, did you three, right. uh, I can't remember. Like, is that, is that an airplane that's kind of more advantageous to three point? Most people don't. Um, and it's kind of weird because the elevator, uh, it's got some servo tabs on it, but they run out in like your first six inches, four and a half. So it's hard to like convince yourself that it's going to three point because you like pull back and it's wonderful. And then you kind of feel like you're running out of wing, but it's just like three times the elevator force, but you've got like 20 knots more wing. So once you figure it out, it, it actually three points wonderfully. As long as you three point in the direction you want to be going, <laughs> like if you touch down <laughs> a couple degrees off center line, that it's like a it's a solid puck tailwheel. It's not yeah. a tire, and it really doesn't want to turn. <laughs> so 
Yeah. So you really have to be pointing the direction you want to end up going when you touch down. So like a wheel landing, you know, it's a lot easier to train people for wheel landings so they can make sure they're headed straight when they land. And, you know, you've got like the rudder. I bet you the rudder is maybe twice as big as like a P40, but maybe not even twice as big as a P40, but the thing's like seven times as heavy. That's exaggerated, just, but yeah, it's got but a it's lot of momentum. Huge. It's yeah, huge it's and heavy. Gigantic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just imagine all that momentum, like start swinging to the left. You're stopping, you know, whatever your tail weighs, 10,000 pounds from swinging. Yeah. Jeez. It's but, amazing. Like, do you know any fact, do you know any factor or any statistics on, on, um, you know, cause we always hear about, you know, people crashing Mustangs and especially like the T six and stuff like that. But the spad, I mean, was that a, were, were losses of that airplane heavy due to the landing characteristics that you talk about? Like as far as just being no, so because most of what I'm talking about, there's a lot of stuff that makes flying warbirds modern day, at least take off and landing wise, a little more different, difficult than like wartime because you know, they don't give a shit if they have to put brand new brakes on it every other landing. Like who right. cares if you slam on a brake at a hundred knots, but nowadays, like, I don't know, there's probably let's say 30 sets of brakes for sky Raiders left that we know about. Right. So yeah. like you have to use brakes as your last resor- uh, resort or like engine wise, you know, people didn't care about reverse loading back then because we had warehouses full of engines. Right. And just like a quick, Reverse loading is basically when you, like a radio, big radial engine, if you pull the power back past a certain point in the air with some speed, anytime the prop's driving the engine at all, or the engine isn't completely driving the prop, uh, you are hurting it. Like a lot. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't think there were that many losses of spads, especially since directional control. Like, e- even the Wildcat, the manual for the Wildcat says this airplane is not found suitable for ground takeoffs and landings. <laughs> <laughs> it was made to land on a boat and they weren't made to taxi. Yeah. So, and they all have shitty brakes, surprisingly. You'd think they'd want good brakes, but it really isn't the brakes that are stopping them. Yeah, so, I guess you, you wouldn't use your brakes until after the tail hooks up and, and you're parking. Yeah. I mean, that's literally the brakes are there to keep it from rolling off the side of the carrier while they're parked. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty so, wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Oh man, I had a really good question and it, it just like, it just escaped me. Um, do you find, yeah, so, okay. Going back to the brakes and, and, you know, operating warbirds in general. And, and obviously my, my foray into Collins foundation was kind of the first time of like really thinking about brakes, not in the sense of like, you don't want them to fail or you don't want to catch them on fire. Cause I have seen that in an extra wasn't me. Thank goodness. But, you know, people riding brakes or people being abusive. What's that? Do you have proof that it wasn't you? <laughs> I don't, I don't have proof that it wasn't me, but I also don't have proof that it happened. That's fair. All right. All right. <laughs> um, no, luckily I was, uh, I was in the hangar, got to watch it, um, which was weird, but um, you know, these warbirds, you're literally, you know, especially like with the B 17 and I mean, the, I guess the B 24 too, but just thinking about, the ability to find breaks and what you're going to do if you can't, if the, if these, you know, or if the, um, um, expander tubes go out, you know, like these parts for warbirds are so rare in some, in some forms, you know, what was, what was a time where like, I mean, like, I mean, you've flown some really rare stuff, but where like, you know, if anything goes wrong on this particular airplane, 
I mean, this is the last set. Now, now the airplane has to be retrofitted or, or something else has to be done because we've found the last whatever it is on this airplane. Can you think of an instance where you're, of an airplane you're operating where it's just so unique that there's just, the, you know, it makes you almost nervous to fly it? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that. And it comes down to like, you know, bombers, that's a lot more of a problem. Um, because, you know, like with a small airplane, like for instance, say we had an experimental Japanese airplane <laughs> and the brakes stopped working. Like that's small enough and the tires are similar enough to other stuff, the wheel size, that we could put like some airplane's brake system on that, right? Right. Like the B24. Yeah, Cleveland you know, probably cost, makes a caliper for, <laughs> for something that size. Yeah, pro- definitely. Yeah. Uh, we're like the B24, the tires are massive and to have someone do a production of those brakes or come up with a new brake for that, it's the kind of thing where like it'd be $300,000 for one set or $350,000 for like 50 sets where it's all yeah. R and D yeah. where, you know, like if that did happen, if we ran out of expander tubes that, you know, I think everybody would band together and come up with something. In fact, that did happen with like, so like the bomber brakes, they're literally the same exact system from B24 to B17 to B29 even, I think. Um, where it's an expander tube, like a rubber tube that fills with hydraulic pressure and pushes out against these little pucks that are made of asbestos and uh, they rub against the drum and slow the tire. Now, like from that point back, there's an accumulator with a thousand PSI that's regulated by your feet in the case of the B24. So you could step on it and pop that tire in a millisecond if you wanted to. There's absolutely yeah. no regulation of... Uh, Pressure and also like pressure regulation solves another problem too, meaning it keeps the line pressurized. So in the B24, when you step on the brake, you've got like a non-zero amount of time for that pressure to leave the accumulator, which is under the cockpit, go all the way up through the line, like out through the wing, down the landing gear into the brake, which is probably like, let's say, I don't know, 60 feet, 70 feet. And a lot of people will like step on it and not get anything and step harder. And that's when the fluid arrives and like get the tire and flat spot it, which is a $5,000 tire. Um, yeah. So, I mean, to do that, it just hasn't happened yet. People have made new pucks, which we were running out of. Uh, but the engineering costs and coming up with something new for that is just astronomical where the B24 is like, you know, it's experimental, but the B17, they're all limited. So we can't just throw some cowboy shit on there. Um, and uh, I think, re- I mean, expander tubes, I wouldn't be surprised if there's, you know, each operator probably has one or two sets of spare expander tubes for the B-17 yeah. or B-24. That's kind of what I was all. thinking in my head. I was like, oh, expander tubes are probably going to be the thing. Yeah, for sure. And rubber was made a different way back then. You know, we can't go out and make like new brakes out of asbestos, right? <laughs> that would be bad, according oh, to the yeah. EPA. And, uh, you know, th- I mean, there's... People will find a way, and it's a lot easier with smaller airplanes. You can just modify it how you need be. You yeah. know, like our MB262 isn't flying with UMO engines. Why not? Or MB262 brakes. That's a great question. I will get right on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I totally forgot that you guys had a 260. Did you fly that? I did, yeah. Oh, my God. How was that? That's uh, one crazy airplane. Yeah, I mean, it's I think you rotated about 135 knots, and your VMC is 210. 
Oh so God. it does not do well. Actually, it does great on one engine above 210, <laughs> but like <laughs> below 210, it does not do well on one engine. <laughs> now, are they? Is it CJ 610s on there? Yeah. So basically, Learjet engines or Lear engines or T38 engines. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah, they must go like fucking crazy. You know, surprisingly, and I can get super nerdy about it, so I'll go like low to medium nerdy. Oh yeah, give the it. Yumo, go full nerd. Go full nerd. <laughs> I'll go like three to seven. I mean, three to four out of 10. Um, (laughs) There we go. The Yumo, you know, an axial flow jet engine in 1943, even could have been combat ready in 43 is like crazy more advanced than anything we had until like the late fifties. Right. Like what was the first axial flow jet engine that the U S put in combat? I mean, like Cessna air. It would have been the, was the, was the uh, P 80 a compressor? I mean, yeah, I, um, it was uh, centrifugal. Yeah, yeah. centrifugal. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the first like, I mean, all the Russian stuff and all the U.S. stuff was centrifugal until the late fifties. I'm pretty sure, and I'm sure you guys Talking might get right. some corrections on that. But the Yumo actually, per its weight, was really powerful. So we call like ninety six percent power on the uh, CJ six tens is about Yumo power. We figured that out, and um, okay. It still does really, really well at 96%. The problem they had with the UMOs was metallurgy and fuel control. But the actual yeah. design of the engine was amazing. I mean, truly, it was amazing. They just couldn't get it from blowing up, keep it from blowing up when you push the power too quick. Or those those two points you just mentioned um, are basically uh, what they okay. fixed with the um, with Paul Allen's. Right, I mean right. metallurgy, yeah, fuel so, control. I mean, they they have fixed the metallurgy. They're using modern metals and alloys that resemble what it was supposed to be made out of, but better. But the fuel control, as I understand, is uh, the same, but overhauled to be perfect. I okay. think it's the same general design, which kind of scares me. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope to see that thing fly. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool setup, the original engine. Like, I have a video of them running it for the first time. And it starts, well, first of all, it starts by a little two stroke starter that's mounted to the intake. It's like a little almost lawnmower engine type thing. And there's a pull start on that. Literally, pull start, yeah. Yeah, you literally walk up to the intake and you pull start this little starter thing. Oh my God, that's And then you can connect it. Yeah, I know, it's crazy cool. I, I was in Germany in the German Air Force's like historical storage hangar and we're getting toured around there and there was a whole room full of them. That was just the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like one shelf had ME 109 ailerons. And then there was all these little starters. Um, oh, wow. But the crew chief would literally pull start that. And then there's like a little valve you'd turn for the fuel to the engine. Cause it would start on av gas. They could figure out like that it would start better or quicker on av gas, the main engine or gasoline, I should say. And then, uh, literally like the engine would start and then the crew chief would have to shut down the starter <laughs> on the intake. Um, and so usually stiff. there's like a 20 foot flame coming out the back cause it just would pour ab gas into it to get it started. That's probably their issue. They like burned up the engine every time they started it. Yeah. Yeah. I bet starting was probably really, really, um, abusive to the engine. For sure. ITT. <laughs> what's that? Yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah whatever. Just fucking melt, <laughs> melt some, uh, some staters in there. Whatever. Send it. So what, so is that one? I mean, gosh, I'm trying to think for me, what is the coolest thing pinky's flown? That's probably one of the coolest, but like for you, like what is the coolest thing you've flown? Uh, 
I mean, I'm looking at your Facebook right now. I see this like uh, that OV10 Bronco thing. That thing is fucking badass. Oh my god, those are really really cool. Uh, and the Bronco, I got to fly. And hopefully, we'll get to continue to fly because a good friend James Webb and um, he flies. You know, three or four of them for this one owner, Mr. Mike Man Clark. Um, and most of them are now Sick leased. Name. Yeah, I know. Sick name. And, uh, like if you've ever been to John Wayne airport, you could always identify what his hangar was. Cause it was like this really sick bachelor pad with a black EC one thirty five on a helipad on the roof. Oh my God. And it was yeah. across the street from the airport. Like it wasn't even on the airport. <laughs> it was pretty badass. That's awesome. It looks, but like he acquired a bunch of them. Cool. Looking and, uh, oh man. I mean, fully aerobatic turboprop twin. Super, super cool airplane. What do they, um, um, just curious, like, what do you, what did something like that cost? Cause you don't see them on the market a lot. I honestly have no idea. Like, you know, I loved that airplane, honestly, because it looked like something from Halo yeah. since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, that thing would be badass to fly. Yeah. And, uh, I never even, I mean, like, when I knew of the airplane as a younger person, it was, I, I couldn't even figure out if there was one in civilian hands. Yeah. What is uh, it? What is so it? it what speed? Uh, I think like 190, 210 knots, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, the biggest like crazy part to me about that airplane is that it stalls like a 40-knot spread between power on, power off. So you look at it, it's got a big old stubby wing. I mean, it's fat, but like the span is tiny. Um, and it will stall and continue to stall. Like you stall it, power off, and you push the nose over, and you're still diving in a stall, <laughs> as opposed to like anything we fly on a regular basis where... I mean, it's just kind of a joke. You push the nose over and you're good. Uh, but power on, it's like 40 knots slower and it comes right out of it. Because if you look at those props in the distance and from the wing, it's a ton of lift. Yeah, I think I think my favorite airplane that the Collins Foundation has is the uh, the P-51A, the uh, the older one. Oh, the A-36? Oh, yeah, sorry. That's how much I know about that. <laughs> I'm terrible. <laughs> Yeah, if I say A36 Apache, I feel like some people are going to shoot me. Um, I don't know if you've ever followed like, the P51 Mustang group on Facebook, but there's an argument about that like on a weekly basis. But that is a really cool airplane. A lot of people don't know that was the first ever P51 in combat, the A36. And then the first P51As were A36s to where like, the pilots found that they were much better at fighting than dive bombing, and they the speed brakes didn't generally work well so they safety wired them shut and used them as fighters and called them the p51a oh, that's um, cool which is super cool yeah and that airplane i mean it's slow as shit compared to a mustang but it's definitely like a different level than the p40 for sure got that curtis would electric you, prop and, and you had the pleasure of flying that yeah yeah it's a pretty pretty interesting airplane yeah i've been really lucky to fly that basically the a model the c model the d model and the h model which i can't i don't know if anyone else has ever flown that many in the series but no probably not and i we didn't even uh i forgot to bring that up because uh we were talking uh petro had asked about you know the prettiest mustang you've ever flown and obviously i love the couch's mustang um and i'm not saying whether it's the prettiest or not but what it's obviously the most unique it's totally the most unique um at the moment that's the only h model flying in the world and uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty fortunate that uh, Steve and Nick gave me the chance to fly that airplane and I've kind of joined their family a little bit. Um, but that yeah. thing is just, 
insane, like aerobatic plane, like performance, um, at much higher Pet- speed. What's the difference? Petro, the think a- of it like, like a, think of, think of the, the D of course, I'm telling you this, having never flown either one. And the guy that's on here has flown both, but like the, the power to weight comparison, like from the age, I mean, I, I would compare it like extra 200 to extra 330. Are you serious? Oh, easily. That, yeah. I mean, the fair? D will do like, so like the D will do 1800 ish feet a minute at climb power. And that's like a modern climb power. It's not what they would use in the war, but, uh, and the H will do about 4,000 feet a minute at the same exact power. And the Collins but, foundation has an H. No, uh, oh. it's owned by, uh, the couch's family out of, um, now Vacaville airport. Oh, cool. And so, uh, Mike couches, the grandfather, Nick's grandfather, bought all these airplanes from the military or various people in the sixties. And he owned dozens and dozens of Mustangs, you know, like you'll see one out in public with Nick and Nick will be like, yeah, my grandpa owned that. And he owned B-29s and a P-38 and a Corsair and all sorts of stuff. But and why, you know, Nick, why is it so much more powerful? Just bigger motor or better? It's the same exact engine, more or less. It's like a Merlin dash nine versus a dash seven. Um, it could be power, more powerful with water injection, but, Modern day, it does not have it. It's just like 1,350 pounds lighter than the D. Holy crap. It's almost a completely different wing design, tail design. The systems are way different. Um, it flies like pretty similar to the D being like completely different aerodynamic design, but it's wild. That's, Absolutely that's wild. So, so cool. like, like uh, had a Bearcat at the time. He was flying the Bearcat a lot, and he had the H model. And uh, once he got the H model flying, he flew it and never flew the Bearcat again. And I'm sure Nick will correct me. I think that's the story. It's Mike Couches with his grandfather that did this, but pretty cool. I mean, a lot of people can thank Mike Couches for having flying warbirds today. Yes, absolutely. There's dozens flying today because he bought them from the military and preserved them. Yeah. American Aero Services, right? Yeah. Yeah, that Um, was his company. And he, man, he bought, I mean, uh, Petra, he bought like... I mean, shit, the in, everything, right? From uh, uh, P38s, uh, Mustangs of all the flavors, Bearcats, um, between all kinds. Yeah. Yeah. And he bought them all, or a lot of the Mustangs from McClellan, and he'd like, they wouldn't let him take off from McClellan because it was an active military base at the time. So he had to, like, tow him across the street and take off for some duster strip. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and he actually, when he started doing it, he had flown a Satabria and, um, he wasn't flying them. He paid some guy to fly them. And this one dude like took off and the coolant door was closed. Cause it, a lot of people used to park them with the coolant door closed and it, the coolant door in the Mustang, you've got off, which is the middle close open auto. You hold it to close. It's spring loaded to close or to the middle and you hold it close open or put it in auto. So he blasted off with it closed and it popped off. So like there's a coolant overpressure relief valve and people call it popping off. This is all the water-cooled fighters, the P-40, P-51, um, Spitfire, all that. And the dude jumped out at, like, super low. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and so, like, the next one that Mike Couch has bought, he, with his Satabria time, just topped in it from this duster strip and sent it like a boss. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> oh, my God. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I, and flew yeah, into his too- 80s, maybe? 70s? I mean, Sounds about crazy. Right. Hey, yeah. do, you, do you ever get in, uh, any ideas to try to get into Reno? Um, uh, you know, I like, I don't know. That doesn't super appeal to me. Um, 
I really like the history of the airplanes and I don't like judge anyone that flies at Reno, but I, I mean, a lot more people have crashed at Reno than Red Bull and people are pulling 10 G's at 10 feet at Red Bull. Yeah. So pushing these machines past their limit is not something that really attracts me at all. Uh, yeah. It's cool to go, different, but different uh, style of flying. For sure, yeah, and you know, like there's all sorts of acceptable risks in aviation, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's never really enticed me to take a really historical airframe and make it not so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I yeah, I totally agree. Like, I, I'm not on the warbird side of the thought of flying something at Reno, but like, um, my buddy Jeff, every year, in fact, even this year, he's like, "Hey, you're ready to 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 race the biplane class," and I'm like. It just, I, I don't know, I, like I want to do it to be, uh, to be able to say I did it, but it's not the thing that appeals to me most. It really, yeah. yeah. I mean, look at, um, yeah. in general, do you remember that video know. of the, Tom the Richards when the guy freaking almost took off his head? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, Tom is a Collins Foundation pilot and, and a hell of a Warbird pilot, you know, uh, Tom For and, sure. and yeah. think you know each other Tom's well. Yeah. I've flown his P40 a couple times. Um, yeah. And that was like nothing tom did at all and that he was put in risk and i'm not i'm yeah. truly not condemning reno at all i'm just like i don't think i would enjoy it i mean it'd be cool to be at 50 feet going 475 miles an hour but i'm past the point in my career where i want to be able to just say like oh i did this where yeah. i'd rather yeah be flying at 10,000 feet enjoying the airplane <laughs> yeah no it's well, definitely so, uh, pretty intense what is your you know like i mean you you're kind of like Neil Armstrong in a little bit uh, of a way, you know, where like you've done everything so young where everything now, I hate to tell you, because uh, you're going to be 38 someday, that everything from here is pretty much downhill, dude. What, what are your what are your career like? What are your aspirations like? What what do you want to achieve? You've achieved so much at, at such a young age. Like, what do you want to achieve now? Like, what is your what is your burning desire? What's the next step, man? Yeah, I thought, I thought you were way older than that. 38? No, he's 43. I know. He's lying. I either, I'm, I, I'm either really, you know, I look, you know, really, I'm like really shot out for 30. I've had a rough go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't uh, know. If I had a guess, a if I had a guess for you, uh, Pinky, I would say uh, the next step is the F4 that you guys got over there. Yeah. I don't, that airplane will, uh, don't touch that with tempo pole. Really? I mean, it'd be cool to fly it. Yeah, I mean, it's safe, but I don't know if Collings would ever check anyone out in it that wasn't already flying them, like, recently in the military. Oh, jeez. I mean, it is, like, the amount of maintenance per flight hour in that airplane is, I mean, it's seriously, like, not kidding, two years of maintenance per flight hour. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's about right. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, like, and it could be better, uh, you know, like, I don't think there are any other... <laughs> it's very expensive to maintain and like it, once it gets back to flying and we need like people to fly it for like our uh, load of training ops or whatever, then they have to go like, none of them live in town. Right. Cause the only current recent F4 pilots from the air force were uh, drone pilots um, or like the air show pilots, demo pilots. They have to fly in and then they have to do three bounces and like each of their three bounce sessions is like $2,500 in gas minimally. Jeez. Actually, sorry, twenty five hundred gallons. Oh my god! <laughs> my bad. Oh my god. Um, 
and then it breaks at some point during those bounces. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then it has to sit for a while. Yeah, so it's not worth it. I want to have context? some fun in the Hun, however. That would be fun. Oh, there we go. Dude. So, oh, my God. So not to get too much into the weeds, but, you know, Pinky, you were the chief pilot of the of of the Wings of Freedom tour, right? It was like you were you were the chief pilot of, of basically that. And then there was other wings of the Collins Foundation, right? That's correct. So the Houston wing, if you want to call them wings, just has every every like, you know, golden age jet you could possibly think of just about. I mean, it doesn't have it doesn't have everything, but like your A4, F4, F100, MiG-17. What did I miss? That no F86. Yeah, so I mean the yeah, so the Vietnam Memorial Flight is what it's called. And I actually left out one of my favorite aircraft earlier. I completely forgot about it until we got on this subject. But so the callings part of the Vietnam Memorial Flight has the F4, A4, F100, T33, ME262. Oh wow. Yeah. And UH one Huey, which is like top of my list, one of my favorite aircraft to fly. Wonderful flying helicopter. Uh, but then we've got our jet chief pilot, Rick Sharp. He's got his own museum now. Um, and he's always really been like a sister museum where we'll display some of his airplanes or he'll display uh, his airplanes in the museum we're displaying ours at. And um, I literally get them both mixed up. I, I like They're like one of the same. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam Wharf. Oh, he's going to be upset. Um <laughs> trying to remember the name he just bought a building and officially like has his own vietnam war flight museum there it is and uh he's got a mig 15 17 mig 21 fallen mat cobra like a cobra attack helicopter an ah1g um 84 sky raider and i've got to be missing one yeah mig 15 17 21 nat sky raider cobra i think that's it so and Sounds he's always right. really been like a sister museum of ours, and all of those are airworthy. And um, he flies them Rick, all. He does, yeah. He's typed them all. If he wants to go take a Mach two rip in the Mig twenty one, he can go burn seven hundred gallons in twenty minutes. Um, Jeez, it's pretty awesome. Uh, he's an awesome guy too. Shout teach. out to Rick Sharp, man. <laughs> he's really awesome. He's like, if you think I'm experienced, I'm like a drone pilot compared to him hey take it easy on the drone pilot <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all pilots matter actually let me tell you this right now if you hand me the controls of a drone or any rc airplane i would immediately destroy it in a way that you never would have thought possible inadvertently because you hate drones right <laughs> yeah no no i'm just that bad. give me that drone <laughs> get out Oh, what an accident! <laughs> uh, I imagine it like the Harrison Ford scene in uh, um, Air Force One, where he's like, "Get off my plane!" You just like, take the, the drone and just kick it. Get off my airport! <laughs> it sounds more like a fantasy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Whatever. Don't judge me. <laughs> what about um? You guys don't have. There's no P forty seven in the Colony Foundation. That's like one of my favorites. I love no. P forty seven. Literally yeah, one of the no. few that, that is not part of the foundation. Yeah. That would be a wonderful airplane. But you guys got a, their, you got oh, a P-38, right? We do. Haven't found that one yet. But Is that flying? That, that's, yeah, it's airworthy. It, um, that's awesome. 
I flew a photo shoot with it. Um, I was in the Hellcat, and Rob Collings was in the P-38. Mark Murphy was in the Zero. And uh, we both swapped airplanes the day before, which was kind of fun. But Mark and I, that is. But it was pretty cool to be in their flying formation in a Hellcat, looking at a Zero, you know, on the photo ship, and then, like, quickly look over your shoulders at a P-38. Yeah, big like, time wow. pinch me moment right there. It's, un- it's unreal. No, just and, uh, and quickly uh, signal over to the P-38, like, let's kill this Zero right now. Come yeah. on. <laughs> <laughs> let's get him. Fuck him. No, it's cool, man. You've had so many of those moments that are just like, this is one of a million, one of a trillion. And you've um, met, you probably met any celebrities you meet or famous people or like, or, you know, what's the, uh, you know, obviously you met a lot of war veterans, which is, it's just awesome. And we owe a lot to them obviously. And, and definitely, but like, who's a person that you had most fun with slash was, uh, maybe fame, you know, you know what I'm getting at, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we, yeah, like you said, we meet a lot of veterans and there's a lot of crazy stories with veterans um, where like, you know, I've had more than once, one time I put a veteran in the cockpit of the B-24. It took me, uh, a couple of our crew chiefs and his family to actually get him up into it. And he flew the airplane previously and he's super quiet. And I asked him a couple questions and he's pretty quiet. And then I was like, just sitting there and he like points at the turbochargers and says, turbochargers. I was like, yep. He's maybe a hundred and about a hundred, I think. And his family just starts bawling, like crying. And then he's like, yeah, we, we used to use these turbochargers at altitude. And after the fact, like I asked his family, I'm like, Oh, he doesn't talk about this stuff much. And they're like, no, he has dementia. He hasn't said a word in years. Oh my God. I was like, Holy shit. Oh wow. That was pretty crazy. Immediately just totally emotional. Like that's a really I good. I couldn't story. believe it. Yeah. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, Petro. We, we talk about we, t- we Petro. We talk about like the hangar flying, you know, of like of like what we do as being, you know, kind of the most, you know, a lot of the fun part of flying, whether it's, you know you're at a competition or just you know in general, like warbirds. It, it, it's unreal, dude. It's an unreal. Not to interrupt Pinky because I want to hear this next story, but um, the the stories of veterans and like them coming out and and the experiences that you get. Like that's very shortly. In fact, you know, it's, it, it was dwindling even in, in 2019, uh, unfortunately, but like unbelievable stories and, and just these little tidbits that you get for a moment in time with these, these amazing people. And just, that's unreal. That's an unreal story, man. Yeah, no, it's for sure. Cool. And I, I mean, uh, that truly was my favorite part. Like I stay connected with a lot of these people. I got an email this morning from, uh, my friend Paul Jones, who's 99 and flew B-24s in the Navy. And he's like, he's like, when the hell are you bringing my B-24 back to Fort Myers? <laughs> it's a funny dude. He's in the Navy, but he's like, yeah, my, my airport was always where I freaking left it. <laughs> no, all those guys are just funny warriors. Dude. I mean, can you imagine, you know, I'd be crying like a baby, if, you know, having to do what they did. It's incredible. Totally. Yeah. And I'm sure Mark would be crying like an even bigger baby no. than me, even the oh. biggest. Yeah. <laughs> I would have, I would have deserted, but he would have had a, <laughs> Mark would have had the nicest helmet. That's for sure. For the sure. nicest helmet. <laughs> yeah. And he'd be rocking a glass of wine. <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly. A lot of these guys, you're like, how would you do it day after day? <laughs> Especially like bomber pilots. <laughs> and these oh. guys, like, you know, like a fighter, you have like a little bit of, you know, play and what's going to happen to you. Right. I mean, if you get shot down, that's not entirely your fault, but you definitely had some, 
ability to prevent it. And I'm not blaming fighter pilots for getting shot down, no, no, but no, like no, a bomber so. pilot, you are maintaining position on lead. That's what you're doing, right? And you can't move. You're like, literally a sitting duck. Oh, yeah. All you're doing is sitting there fine formation. And uh, <laughs> I asked a lot of these guys, like, how did you do it every day? And they're like, you know, let me be honest with you. I drank a lot of whiskey before I flew. And I'm like, oh, wow. my God, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> that's pretty crazy. Yeah, How else do you sure. deal with, you know, like that and, and, you know, going like fighter versus bomber stuff too. you're, you know, in a, in a Mustang, I mean, Mustang was like the, like the real change in long range, uh, fighter escort or bomber escort, you know, with, um, being in a single seat fighter, but like even that, like even with drop tanks, what is that? Two hours? No, two I had a, a lot, a lot more fuel. Yeah. I mean, it holds more than that four. It holds three hours as it sits without drop tanks with no reserve, but like out of gas at three hours. So it okay. drops and the fuselage tank, fuselage tanks probably hour and a half, hour, 20 minutes, um, which pretty much no modern Mustang rocks. That's um, right. I always forget about that aft tank. Yeah, so do I for sure. And uh, I've flown like three or four Mustangs that had a cap for that tank but no tank, but they wanted to look original. And like, you have to be very careful if you tell like a line guy to go top it off. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Cause like usually it leads into the baggage compartment. <laughs> that would be a bad day. Yeah. That's a bad day. <laughs> For yeah. sure. It's like filling your, uh, fuel tank with smoke oil. That was uh, kind of the, uh, that reminds me of this, um, uh, story. So I went to, um, I went overseas to Romania for something and uh, this competition was, what was that? Yeah. What'd you do? What'd you do there? No, I, I wasn't in the car. I was just a warm, stupid warm-up pilot. But we were in Romania with the U.S. team, and I didn't know about anything about this Romania or anything. But we went to this town, uh, Playesh or Playesti, whatever you want to call it. But it turns well, out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it turns out um, that's where you know the Germans held all their oil fields and everything like that. And then once we got the long-range fighters that could protect the bombers to get in there, um, you know, off they went. And they bombed the fucking shit out of this place. It was like, they just leveled it. So when we showed up, it was just weird for, for us because it's like, you know, Hey, how's it going guys? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just so odd. Totally. Yeah. But I didn't know anything yeah. about that until I went over there. It was like a, you know, a big time raid or, or, oh, yeah. yeah, it was a, like a low altitude raid. If you look up pictures of it, you see like B 24s, like a hundred feet between the towers of these refineries and stuff. And it's mountainous too. It's, it's a, it's a very mountain yeah. area. And, um, then I looked at that, that raid was started off for sure. If you read about it, like that raid had a pretty awful start, like an entire flight of bombers flew into the mountain following their lead because they got lost. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't hit yeah. direct too. They had to like look at the freaking stars and shit. Jeez. Yeah, and the, the, the losses were huge. Well, yeah, they, they leveled it. And uh, here's Team America <laughs> coming in. <laughs> What's up, guys? We're here hey, to White House again. Yeah. yeah. America. Why does everything look like shit? Why does everything look like shit around here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, the because best. it's like, I mean, you feel... Honestly, it's terrible. It's we're laughing. I hope it's everybody knows we're just joking, but it's it's sad because you know, like you know, it's a it's a it's a tough country to live in, and you know, nothing's really changed. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a for sure it was an aha moment uh, when that moment. <laughs> yeah, and then, it, and then I got pickpocketed, so that was my karma, I guess. Oh like, damn! Yeah, so don't be a dick next time. It was a donation, basically. So, yeah. You're just, just trying to pay for 
repatriation or whatever. Yeah, not some 12-year-old tw- Romanian gypsy's got an iPhone X right now laughing his ass off. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah we, awesome. Uh, we flew into Prague one time with some of the crew and drove to Berlin and, uh, like, literally just stopped at some random town for dinner. Red Light District. And we're sitting there at this, like, yeah, <laughs> that's a different story. But... <laughs> <laughs> I love Mark's giggle. Oh, Jeremy, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that'd be funny if you just started Hold like on. making up random stuff. Yeah, I went to the red light district, picked up like a pound of weed, started smoking. Hell yeah. <laughs> Feel like, oh my That's god, this crazy. <laughs> enrollment, enrollment of Collins Foundation goes through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> see how long I can uh, yeah. go before you guys say something. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you're telling uh, me we can't get free pot here? <laughs> cut, 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 cut. Let's go back a minute. Cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, where were we? <laughs> uh, we were in Dresden, actually. Yeah, that's where we were. Berlin. So Berlin. We, we literally... We literally stopped in this random city at this random restaurant for dinner, and it was Dresden, Germany, which, if people don't know of Dresden, uh, it was literally the British and the U.S., but mostly the British, started a firestorm there, and it was like the most civilian casualties in one small area caused by, like, bombing. Oh, jeez. I think in history, almost, other than, you know, the, the obvious in Japan, but... Literally, they started a firestorm where it was raining fire and just burned down the entire city. Yeah. And we're all sitting, we didn't know this at the time, but we're all sitting there uh, at this restaurant with some old people there. And uh, like, we're all wearing like B24, B17 shirts. And they're just like and staring you down, probably. They were, they're staring us down. And after a while, the waiter came up. He's like, he spoke pretty good English. And he, I think he knew what he was talking about. He knew his history. Of course, he did living in that town, but knew what our shirts meant. And he was like, you guys uh, do know what you're wearing here, right? And we're like, uh, no. I mean, we just looked down at our shirts. And he's like, you're in Dresden. And we're all like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like picturing Pinky sitting in like an army green flight, flight suit, American flag. <laughs> With a helmet. And no, no, no. And a Make America Great hat on. <laughs> MAGA hat, aviators. Think- yeah. Green flight suit. And a mustache. Hell yeah. Combat boots. Red, white, and blue flight suit. Yeah. And a half smoking oh, yeah. cig- and a half smoking cigar. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> pack is rolled up into his sl- the sleeves of his flight suit. Yeah. It's James <laughs> beaming it up. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> the, the guy that checked me out in the Huey was actually a Vietnam vet with like twenty seven thousand hours in the Huey and uh chain smoked the entire time we ever flew a Huey. Just Shane smoking. It was hilarious. <laughs> so what happened? You got did you guys leave or did you just strip naked? Uh, we paid our bill and respectfully left, but yeah, that was a big oops. Actually, later that night we got to Berlin and there was like this bombed out train station across the street from our hotel, and we went up and looked at the plaque, and it was a bomb group that so, we so knew. You went to the next bombing location just to establish Correct. America. Yeah, we went on a tour, <laughs> a tour of destruction, <laughs> took pictures in front of our craters, like yeah. <laughs> Even like the West Coast sign, West Coast. You <laughs> <laughs> wetter. I picture Rob doing like the uh, the blood sign with his with his hands. 
<laughs> Got like a sideways MAGA hat. Yeah. Gold chain <laughs> with the 150. <laughs> gold chain with a 152 Arabat symbol on it. The entire time they're Cut driving down, through Germany. Yeah. They're driving through Germany and they just keep playing uh, uh, DJ Khaled again. It's like, another one. Every time they see a bomb, <laughs> a, just a desolate, bombed out site from the US. Regulator. DJ America. <laughs> Some DMX. <laughs> oh, to, to get back to, to being serious, a really cool thing I heard from one of the German uh, competitors, he was telling me he flies his extra out of a uh, grass field. And he was tell- it was an old World War II base. I'm kind of getting the story half right here, mostly right. But anyway, the main part is that I didn't know that in the beginning with the 262s, they were taken off you know, off out of the grass. And I'm sure uh, Pinky knows where I'm going with this, but um, they would leave all the burn marks on the grass. So then all the allies would know where all the jets were. So they were actually putting them in the forest and they'd make like a little pathway through the forest and they would take off through the forest and then be airborne as soon as they reached, you know, the, uh, the forest front or whatever you call that, the tree line. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I don't know if you ever heard anything about that. Yeah, super cool. There's a, I forgot exactly where it is in Germany, but there's a mountain basically that had a cave that they were building them at. And it's exactly as you just described, they would roll it out of the cave onto this like tiny little track through these trees in the top of this mountain and blast out of there. Um, but like the most crazy part about the 262, at least in my head is that it was a tail dragger at first. And yeah. like, just oh imagine flying that monster of a jet with a tail wheel, not being able to see anything. And like, I kid you not, if you go around in that airplane and like one spools up a couple percent more than the other, like it just quickly spools up. Let's say like the right one spools like three to 5% more than the other. For a second, you've got like full opposite aileron and rudder from that moment of it spooling up. Jeez. And just imagine wow. like trying to steer that bitch down the runway yeah. <laughs> with jet engines. And the reason they changed it a couple t- actually a couple of reasons. Um, uh, the primary one is that the first time they ever tried to fly it without, so they test flew the airframe with like a BMW uh, horizontally opposed, actually it may have been radial, 800 horsepower piston engine in the nose, no jets on it. They want to make sure the wing worked before they put the jets on it. Um, and it is like like one of the best wings of World War II. It's actually fairly incredibly efficient. And the slats are fully aerodynamically auto and they just move and you yeah, don't feel them at all. Yeah. yeah and the swept wing but, factor uh, of it is like totally revolutionary. Oh, absolutely. And it stalls like a Piper Cherokee. I mean, it truly stalls straight ahead wonderfully. Wow, but anyway, well, so they like, flew with a piston engine above. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, no worries. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, like, um, you know, we're kind of skipping over, like, some really cool stuff here. But, like, in reference to getting in it, because there's no real checkout in the, you know, dual checkout. So what was going through your head, you know, taxiing up to the runway with that thing? I mean, that's oh, it's a lot. R262 is dual control. So I had Rick Sharp in the backseat, um, which is kind of the cool part about having that airplane is that we can sell flight instruction in it per our loader. Oh, wow. uh, you can go fly at 262, um, which is pretty awesome. But, you know, that is a factor in a lot of stuff like the Zero, the Corsair, the Hellcat, the P-40, all these airplanes I've flown, you know, for the first time by yourself. Um, and I almost prefer it than, like, getting checked out. I know I can handle the airplane, but I'm, like, afraid of being judged by an instructor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's, <laughs> I don't know, you know, like... You are a little nervous, but as soon as you put the power on it, you're like, oh, okay, it's like the other stuff that I fly. 
Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, that's cool. But the 262 oh, would have scared the shit out of me by myself the first time <laughs> that was so not dual control. Yeah, that's kind of uh, reminded me. Another plane that I wish would come to the Northeast. Well, I think there is one in the Northeast. Is the uh, the 190, the FW190? Yeah, that that would be a pretty awesome airplane. The Colleague Foundation has a real one. There's this is going to be the second airworthy real one in the world. Um, the other one is at Flying Heritage Combat and Armored Museum. In, uh, I think it's Everett. Is that? Everett. No, Painfield. Everett. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Painfield. Oh, okay. um, oh yeah, Paul Allen. By the Paul Allen, yeah. He also had a real 262 with real rebuilt engines being built up. Yeah, and a Stuka. Yeah, he's doing a Stuka. Yeah, so unfortunately he really passed hope. away, uh, and no one's really certain what's going to happen to all that stuff. So we'll see, but... But yeah, the 190 would be super cool. I've you know met a lot of people with flown formation with the Flug Works, which are the replicas, and they're not really well designed according to everybody that flies them. Um, Meaning what? So, so like the let's just say the gun on the Focke 190 is integral to the spar. Um, there's an okay. inboard spar and like an outboard spar that connect the gun. And without them, without the gun, the wing wouldn't work. Like you can't build a Focke Wolf 190, a real one, without a gun in it. Hmm. Um, and the Flugworks, they just came up with like their own weird, much much smaller design for a spar. And like if you go to the wingtip of, of Flugworks 190, you can like pull it down like eight inches and let go, and it like twangs up and down. Really? really? <laughs> yeah, they're pretty crazy. Uh, I flew formation with the Ericsson one on a photo shoot. I was flying photo ship for Slocum and uh, Mike Oliver, the gentleman flying at the, uh, I think he's the president of the museum joked about wanting to sell it after that one <laughs> hour flight. And you can talk to Steve Hinton about it or Johnny Maloney's flown Johnny Maloney probably has the most Focke-Wolf time where Steve Hinton's flown both Focke-Wolfs, the real one and the fluke works. Yeah. And he says it's just wildly different. Jeez. The real one's actually really nice to fly, but a lot of people talk about the Flugworks being really, really squirrely. Yeah, it's just a badass. I would have never guessed. Never it's never just guessed. so badass. Oh my god, yeah. And the 109 is just gorgeous. Yeah, and Murphy's flown that. Um, yeah, Murphy flew the, the two-seater out in Germany. Yeah, I don't think so he liked pretty it. Bitching. I don't think he liked it too much. Yeah, I don't think he did either, but <laughs> I've heard the two-seaters... <laughs> I've heard the two seaters pretty heavy on controls. No, I think he flew it off grass. Um, mm. Not a big deal. And I, you know, I've talked to a lot of 109 pilots, um, and I mean, it's kind of different apparently, but that's not as hard as people say it is. Like one of my favorite things is trying to like dispel the myths about how difficult warbirds are to fly, and not just for me, but like. You know, our P40, everybody said the P40 was like uh, totally uncontrollable. And I just went and flew it and was like, oh, okay. And then checked out like, I don't know, 10 people in it. Jeez. Do you think that's a factor of like, you know, so much of Warbirds is like the good old boys club, right? And that exclusivity and not wanting to let people in and and wanting to, obviously, you know, a lot of these airplanes are challenging and they obviously have to be respected from just from an aviation standpoint, not even alone from a historical standpoint. But, you know, do you think that, that's the role that is being played in a lot of these where it's like, Hey, it's too difficult. Hey, treat this, you know, this is crazy. Okay. It, it, it's not easy. So, you know, approach with caution. And it's like, well, it actually is kind of easy. 
Yeah, I mean, I hate to talk about it, but like the biggest factor in what you're describing is that people want to be the only people that do what they do. Right. Which it's is probably true with any aspect of aviation or life. Yeah, there's a lot of type A, uh, I can imagine. Maybe it's not even necessarily just type A, but like, you know, it is a really big thing to go solo a Mustang, right? Like, yeah, that's super cool. And yeah. you worked hard to do that. And so they'll be like, yeah, it's pretty challenging. Uh, <laughs> where, you know, if you respect the numbers and you treat it, I don't know, like, if you go fly a new jet for the first time, you respect the numbers and you treat it the way you're taught to fly it. It's safe. I feel right? like that's how a lot I mean, of people are with the pits. Like when I was uh, doing a checkout for myself with the pits, everybody was like, all right, you're not like local people. I'm just talking in general, like, oh, the pits is squirrely. Oh, the pits is a handful, blah, 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 blah. And I remember coming, you know, taking off is no big deal, but I remember landing being like, all right, like just be ready. And it's as you just have to get it set up right and you don't be a dick about it and the plane will land really well um i i thought the pits was such a great great airplane and everybody loves to knock that airplane in landing i don't know why yeah for sure i used to like get shit for i mean people would be like oh you got to do the pits wiggle when you land i'm like well you got to do the pits wiggle if you do the pits wiggle but if you just like use the rudders to keep it straight maybe sometimes you don't have to do the pits wiggle yeah, like i feel like the legend kind of, of the pits inspires more like PIOs than the actual airplane itself. Yeah. That kind of stuff drives me nuts. Like, and but what's funny is I, that's how I was taught. I was taught that that thing is insane. And I'm sure a lot of people are taught because you hear that, right? You hear, Hey, the pits is, it, you know, don't sleep on the pits. Dude, the landings are insane. This there is a squirrely airplane. You're gonna be doing the pits dance all the way down the runway. It's crazy. And I was taught that. And so I was on this guard when I yeah. started flying it. Um, where I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then of course it's all PIO. I mean, or not, you know, not every situation's PIO, but then you do this thing where you're like, you're, you're trying to keep it straight. So then you over control it. And then you're, you're correcting your inputs more than what the airplane's doing. And it, I tell you what, it took me 50 hours in that airplane before I realized that I was doing a lot of stuff, a lot of the stuff in that airplane that was causing problems or, you know, I, I was creating the, the pits stereotype yeah the, the airplane wasn't doing it and then i started kind of calming down on it and and doing less control input on landing i'm like uh this this lands like yeah i mean yeah sure it comes over the fence a little faster um it's it's twitchier it's short coupled um but it's not really that bad behaving on landing if you treat it simply and you and you make it simple as long as like the wind is not crosswind or you don't do anything stupid, like it, it's actually a beautiful landing airplane. Yeah. It's and it nice. took me 50 hours to figure that out. It really did. I mean, the only thing I was the pits petrified that, I, that I'll say is that you just can't get high and slow. That's the only thing for sure. No, for sure. That's yeah. the only, but I, I mean, I it's kind of obvious, right? And that's also yeah. like every airplane. Yeah. You know, um, but like, you know, one of the big things that was taught, and I, I, I actually think this, you know, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong um, or debate me on it. And I'd love to have a conversation on it. But like one of the big things that I was taught early on uh, in tailwheel flying that I think is a horrifically bad habit is um, a, a aggressive or abusive. Abusive is probably the better word. I'm going to start using that. Abusive stick movement, meaning on takeoff, going stick too far forward to bring the tail up. And then on landing, going stick too, uh, going stick full aft too early, uh, in some situations. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, that is another thing that took me a long time to figure out, uh, you know, on takeoff, you get, 
you get a more aggressive left turning tendencies because the tail comes up faster if you're going too far forward on the stick. Then you got to bring the stick back to neutral or, or you know, kind of that that two point takeoff position. That's kind of a, an extra movement that is not needed. But then in landing, you know, the pits was one of those things where like, you know, it's, it's still, you know, you're touching down at I mean, what are you touching down at the three point attitude in the pits? Are you touching down at 70 miles an hour? I, you know, um, yeah, I don't know. You I've come never over, looked. Yeah, I never looked. Say, you know, you come over the whatever feels right that you, day. <laughs> you come over the fence at a hundred, right? Ninety-five solo, hundred dual is what the book says, and those numbers work pretty well. So you figure you bleed off a little bit of energy to get to the two point, or I mean, I started to the three point. Um, and I used to do this where I do slow flight into the three point attitude with students in the air, and I just can't remember the number, but it's somewhere around there. But that's still b- above the stall speed, right? And so you got a flying wing essentially. And then if there's any headwind, you know, you really introduce a lot of problems when, you know, you bring the stick aft too quickly. And, you know, sometimes that nose wants to raise the mains come off the ground and you're, you just introduce all kinds of shit um, by over controlling that airplane. And if you just like touch down and and freeze position, the stick in the position that you, if it's, you know, as long as it's three point, right. Um, And just let it settle. The the pits lands almost feet off. Yeah. If the wind's not crazy and you, and you don't side load, it really is a, a well-behaved airplane if you treat it right. But if if you're on if you're over controlling the airplane and you're on top of that airplane, it it's it doesn't like it. It's one of the most um, unforgiving airplanes in that aspect. Like if you are twitchy on it and you're nervous, it really uh, reverberates through the airplane and and gives you a hell of a landing where you got to be really on your toes. Yeah, the only approach that. I was thought in the pits. I got training from a um, a guy in the Northeast. You you probably know him, uh, Pinky uh, Mark uh, Nathanson. Yeah, that four pilot. Exactly. So the only uh, landings we did, we did the um, overhead approach, and then just chop the power and don't add power and bring it in. So we were always, you know, within gliding distance, and it worked perfect because you always had the uh, runway in sight. And um, mm-hmm. you know, when people start, you know, dragging it in, they get crabby in it, and they get a little slow. It's just it's it's just a really draggy airplane and and you know they i don't know but that's how i was thought it works perfect when yeah you know the overhead approach is like I'd, I'd say i have like two thousand hours in different fighters and i've landed without an overhead approach maybe two dozen times i don't see why people don't it do is, it more I, often you get you get everything unless you're in a towered airport obviously but um no they love it oh you're they totally yeah. i I promise you every time I've never been turned down in overhead. I mean, yeah. like maybe a dozen times. And it was something like we could accommodate that in a few minutes, but come back now. And like at a Mustang, if you come into the pattern at, um, well, I'm going to have to change the numbers here for the public. Uh, <laughs> like let's, Two, you know, EAA actually wrote a letter. Nine knots. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a class Delta, <laughs> let's say in a class Bravo where it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, inside a class Bravo, yeah, 249 knots. Like, gl- best glide in a Mustang is 170. And high key, meaning like being over the numbers, this is a military term that I'm not, like, I only know it because people have told me it from the military. But like, being over the numbers, losing an engine, and doing a 316 landing, a full overhead, is your high key. Yeah, the Mustang high key is 2,600 feet. Oh, jeez. So, like, <laughs> like, say you were to do an overhead at best glide speed, you know, you're not going to be doing that at 2,600 feet. You're not going to make it. So like, yeah. or even just entering the pattern on like a left downward or something at, at like a normal slow speed, you're not going to make the runway. So I like to hit the overhead in a class Bravo. We'll say at 249 knots or in a class Delta 199 knots. 0.9. 
yeah. with a little extra smash to where if I lost the engine, I could pop it up and hopefully make the runway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the Mustang glides pretty well, actually, with the flaps and gear up. I mean, it's not great. A lot of people forget to pull the prop back, which is like, I would say, 40 to 60% better glide ratio with the prop all the way back. Yeah. Uh, hmm. And no, I wanted to ask you, I didn't want to, this is all good stuff, but back to, um, you know, the personalities that you get to meet through, you know, warbirds and everything like that. And, you know, um, you probably cringe every time everybody's like, Oh, you're so young, you're 24, but how, how difficult or, you know, maybe you can expand on, it's gotta be tough, you know, at your age and, you know, being in a position that you are and you get some of, uh, the other warbird guys that are, you know, three times twice your age, the majority. And, you know, you're kind of, you got to delegate and, and run the whole operation. Is that, is that really difficult or is everybody, you know, what's the deal with that? I don't know. I think Mark can probably help me with this answer, but I, I think not the sound. It was difficult for the first year. And then I don't know if you just be yourself and, you know, do the work, put the work in lead by example. I think people really start to respect you. And I never really had a problem with any of that for the last three or four years. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm going to insert myself. I'm going to insert myself all the way up Pinky's asshole right now. Head first. <laughs> and so I'm going to hide my toe. from Ron Jeremy? Yeah. Or my... yeah, yeah, exactly. And you can um, find this podcast on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I will say about Pinky is... He's an extremely he he comes off extremely he's ar- extremely articulate. Um, he is very calculated in what he says. Obviously, you know he can have fun and party and and get crazy and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes, you know, he's very professional. And so uh, when he started flying warbirds, especially when he started moving into the chief pilot position, like there was nobody that you know whether people had a problem with the age as far as like oh well he's only you know at, gosh at the time you were twenty two. Uh, 21 when you uh, assume yeah, 20, 20 ish. Yeah. 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 Um, no big deal. yeah, not 22. No. Um, yeah, yeah. At 20 ish. Um, you know, obviously everybody's like, okay, you know, I think we all kind of, uh, you know, look into ourselves. Like I even told Pinky, I was like, dude, I, I mean, I'm 38 I, at 34. I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly, I'm fairly good at adulting now. Right. Um, there's no way on, on this planet, no way in hell that I could have been chief pilot of this outfit at his age. There's just no way. Um, so he's, you know, whether he's an old soul, whether you believe in that stuff or whether he's just an extremely, um, put together, um, mature adult for his age, whatever the case may be. I think if people had those assumptions that they were quickly, you know, his character would, would stifle those those assumptions you know and then it then we came to a point where like i mean almost on tour you know at least the last couple of years like where age age just wasn't a factor you just nobody thought about the young people or people being too young or anything like that um which is real a really cool barrier that i think collins foundation was really good at at breaking because yeah every other organizations you know the good old boys club is is like just a common narrative between warbird organizations and to see you know younger people um, fly these airplanes and be typed and be responsible for these airplanes again, you know, like which hasn't happened since the war is, is freaking awesome. I mean, and there was times where, you know, pinky's flying with another guy who's 
same age and has a flight engineer similar age where you're like, you know, this didn't happen. It hasn't happened since the war. This hasn't happened since World War II. I think um, it's hysterical and- too. Like there's a, there's a guy, uh, Matt Kropp out here who's, who's flying some stuff and, um, you know, got checked out in the Mustang by yours truly. Yeah. <laughs> got him his first fighter. <laughs> nice. And, um, I think it's hysterical because, you know, he, and by the way, he's a phenomenal guy and, you know, he gets out of the airplane and he looks like he's 12 and you see all the, uh, the guys hanging out at the airport, you know, 40 to 60, whatever demographic. And they're just like, they can't wrap their head around it that he can fly a Mustang. Yeah. It's it, and actually correction before he yells at me at a later time, <laughs> P 40 was his first fighter checked out by Tom Richard. I was his first Mustang. So I just want to put that in there, <laughs> but yeah, he does definitely look 12. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, no, it's so funny. And, uh, I think it's great, um, from a nostalgic, you know, standpoint and also to, I don't know. Cause you know, Mark, you're right. Because, the past 20 years or, you know, 30 years, the only people that have been flying them, you know, have been, you know, 40 plus 50 plus. And it's, it's just, yeah. it's really refreshing to see, you know, young blood get into it and, um, and, you know, do it. It's, it's really cool. And, it, and, um, you know, just to have people like Collins foundation and whatever other museums are out there, I'm sure to, to give the opportunity to do it. Um, I don't know. I can't say. Well, what's weird is like, I'm, my I'm kind of in the middle, right? Like being 38, like I'm not young, but I'm not old. I'm not the old guard, right? There, you know, I'm I'm far You're just from like the, old, the guard. old guy of the young group. Yeah, that's basically it. I'm the guy that thinks he's young, but he's not, and so everybody's like, yeah. "Who's this a hole who thinks now, he's 26?" He's I'll give not. you. This is the perfect definition of our age, Pinky. Right? We can party and we can party hard, but then it takes us about a week to recover. That's the, that's that's what happens. It's about where that's about right. where I'm at. Like, I get it. I'm like a two it. or three day recovery period when I'm like, oh god. And then everybody, <laughs> all the young guns are just like, oh, let's go back out tomorrow night. Great. <laughs> yeah, and that was one. Of, you know, the uh, you know, you talk about you know the veterans being obviously the best. The best aspect. I mean, to get to shake a veteran's hand who flew the same airplane you're about to give him a ride uh, or about to give him a uh, you know an experience in um, is completely and utterly the best aspect of doing any kind of warbird related function. But, um, Dude, you know, the they, people uh, that I've, I've when they met, unveiled the uh, P 51 at on Long Island, uh, Tiger's revenge, they had the guy who f- not flew that exact airplane, but it was the same scheme. Um, and he gave this whole speech about, you know, what he did in the war. It was, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's incredible. You know, this, what he yeah. to have him there to have Bill Lyons. Yeah. yeah, he shot down two one oh nines. It's so I flew that airplane at Mark's wedding. Oh really? And Bill came to the wedding, and it. And the, he came up dude. to me, and he was he kind of talked shit, and it was the best thing ever. He's like, you know, this is kind of a short runway. Why didn't you three point it? And I was like, that's a great question. <laughs> that's awesome. You're right. <laughs> and then Pinky went home crying. <laughs> yeah, I cried for like three or four days. The video, the that, video like, from laughing but sobbing at the same time. <laughs> The, the, the videos from Mark's wedding and the pictures are awesome. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. He he wedding correctly. Yeah, we moved the Mustang over to another airport and uh, and um, we t- we spent like I maybe put two hours on the airplane the day before uh, practicing the timing so we could uh, fly over the ceremony like right as he kissed the bride. 
Oh my god! And awesome. uh, like they, they timed the pastor's speech and everything, and um, it was pretty awesome. We Jeez. <laughs> like within a second, you may now kiss the bride <laughs> over the over the in the aerobatic box legally, of course, because he has an aerobatic box at his house. But I'm so jealous awesome. of all those guys. I've been like you know the Northeast and like that not really a uh, metropolitan area or Florida where they could just basically push their airplane out and they have an aerobatic box right up right outside. It's, it's so yeah, annoying. it's crazy. Did you, did you get one approved in Brookhaven? I do. And I don't, and I do, I don't know. There's like, I have an APA, but it's such a pain in the ass to activate. You gotta like, you know, you call the number and then in my LOA, I have to call the Brookhaven lab. Like there's a laboratory that for some reason I have to call when I'm going to fly. So I'd rather just not. And, um, and then the other thing too is like, so my waiver goes down to, I forget, I think like 500 feet or something. I forget it's lower than 1500, but the, you can't pick up radio coverage when you're lower. So there was one time where I was flying, you know, and I activated the uh, practice area and I was just, you know, I called them up. And I have the coolest call sign. It's it's Wolfpack. So, <laughs> hell yeah, it's so cool. So they're like, um, so you have to call them when you're when you're uh, on a uh, Tricon, whatever. You're like, so my call sign's Wolfpack one, and it's just I feel so badass for that split second. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so yeah, apparently the guy was trying to call me, and then all of a sudden I must have been higher, and he's like, Wolfpack one, are you up? I'm like, hey, what's up? He's like, I've been trying to call you for the past, you know, minute or whatever. It was probably like 10 seconds. But he's like, I've been trying to call you. You can't not listen. I'm like, I'm listening to the radio, man. I didn't hear it. And it was like this whole big thing. So now there's an area that's closer right to the, you know, Brookhaven. So it's, you know where the shooting range is? Yeah. So yeah. at the end, so for everybody listening, um, at the threshold of one of the runways and then about a mile, um, it's to the west, but to the other direction, there's a shooting range. And in between that, there's about a hundred yards of housing and then there's like this park area and I don't fly over to houses, but I fly over to park area. It's all 91, three or three approved. Is it 91? Yeah. 91 or 90. Am I getting it right? Cause I call I think 91, three or three. Isn't that like the, like deferred mechanical? I don't no. know. I, I was calling it 70 something last podcast and I, I think <laughs> you call it 71. I think it's 91, one Oh three. All right. Yeah, it's all part 91 stuff, you know? Yeah, it's a jibber jabber. But anyway, but it's perfectly legal. And, um, you know, he's, like there's one person, there's like a, there's a Karen out there that complains about it. And, you know, I, there's hundreds of people that. It is 91303. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. It's, well, I lose. Damn. Nailed it. Nailed it. it. Um, but yeah, that's where I fly now. I mean, I have one going through for the top of the airport, but you know, it's like one of those things where Brookhaven is just, I don't know how to describe Brookhaven. It's like the wild. It's west. a busy airport. Yeah. It's like the wild west, but not, Dude, in, like, not in a good way. You'll be like, we'll come in in the pattern, like total assholes. Like we'll be respectful, but we'll be easier assholes. to recover as a flight of three. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Respectful assholes. We'll come in as a flock of respectful <laughs> assholes. And like, there'll be jumpers and helicopters and gliders yeah. all in the air at the same time and you're like this is not good so and there's always like Rob is some dude not using the radio yeah. as well 
there's jumpers, there's skydivers that can only land in a specific area and fall down through like a funnel cloud. And now like a, this like, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And then they have banner towers and then they have uh, gliders being towed. And then they have helicopters, which is uh, right traffic. And then they have regular, you know, left traffic. And then they have all the traffic from Islip and well, the, the other air, surrounding airports um, that do all the practice ILS approaches that are usually like, you know, um, not where the prevailing winds are flowing. So they're coming straight in and people are taking straight off into it's you really, what I do is I do my shit. And then when I come back, I just, I, it's really bad. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound like a dick, <laughs> but I just sneak in and I land. Um, and then one time, actually like a two weeks, three weeks ago, I think I had an issue where I, Every I'd be coming in and I don't like to get too far away. And if I do like, I'll get, I don't mind getting a little dragged out, but I'll stay at like 2000 feet on like a, uh, extended downwind. But once it gets like really far, I'll just turn in and I'll try to slow up. But usually the guy and I'll S turn and this and that, but the guy would land and then he texted in the runway. So I, I had to go around three times and I ended up just landing on the other runway and it was perfectly safe. There was nobody landing at the time on the, uh, Emerson non-towered airport and the winds were, actually could have they could have gone both ways but you kind of gotta if you're not familiar with the airport and you're coming in it's it's a little funky um yeah for sure <laughs> it's like that mean going around i've seen that like the sign next to the runway there yeah. is no active runway at a oh non-tower airport it's like the honestly it's the dictionary of that of that sign it's you get people that are like all right um i'm cleared to taxi to the literally giving themselves taxi instructions on unicom um <laughs> what else like stationaire november 7 niner foxtrot yeah. x-ray delta oh. just say white cessna yeah no i fuck with them it's hysterical i don't like wait is that x-ray yankee or yankee x-ray <laughs> like it's yankee x-ray <laughs> um yeah i landed there this is we recovered as a flight like i want to say june nah maybe june of 18 something like that yeah, and uh, yeah, that was a whatever. There was something we're doing. I think I was in the TBM, and um, like I think Matt called up from maybe the Mustang, and was like, "Hey, watch out! There's an RV." And we had made like a twenty mile call, a ten mile call, a five mile call, an initial call, a break call, and then a downwind call. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but these guys, they didn't make any calls, and it was whatever. You know, like they land. And, uh, I saw him like last minute, but it, it, whatever went around my number two could land and my number three could land, but I couldn't land. So I come back around land, whatever. And I didn't really care about it until I went to like the, that airport cafe with the, <laughs> I forgot the lady's name. Uh, <laughs> Do you like a hamburger? It's the, um, um, it's the one where the food poisoning is special. <laughs> yeah. So we're picking up lunch there or something. And I hear these two guys at the bar and they're like, those Warbird guys, they think they own the damn airport. They just come in here and make everyone else get out of their way. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there like, oh, man. It's Berlin all over again. <laughs> For sure. This is literally like worse than Berlin. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think. Like these people. Are I didn't want to interrupt like you. I was thinking about something. Oh, yeah. So before, like two years ago, the Unicom operator used to, I don't know. He's not there still. But they had this one Unicom operator, and I think he he had to have been like an ex-controller, but he started running the airport like it was a towered airport. So like you'd call <laughs> up 
And I used to do it on purpose just to like hear him get all. It's like that character. I don't know what show it is where like the kids used to get the dad all pissed off and he, like he get all like, you know, in uh, Wolf of Wall Street, they used to get the father all fucking riled up, yeah. <laughs> you know? So like he, people would call up and it's they'd be like, you know, Brookhaven Unicom, uh, radio check and advisory. And the guy'd be like, oh, it's radios uh, loud and clear and active run active by the way active runways uh two four so i'd hear this like as i'm coming i'm like all right this is a great opportunity to fuck with somebody so i'd be like all right extras uh you know i was uh they're like yeah like one mile south three three overhead uh you know left traffic and the guy would start flipping out extra you you can't, <laughs> you can't do that and i just you know it just fly a normal left-handed pattern and it wasn't like landing with a tailwind obviously but um the guy would just get so bent out of shape and then you know, enough people complained and, you know, the guy left, but he literally like telling people, you can't land on that runway. <laughs> oh, but I can watch me. Just watch yeah. me. Watch me. Whoa. Watch me. <sighs> can you believe right? it's been like two hours and no carbone talk? I was just going to say, uh, should we, should we wrap this bad boy up? We have any other questions for the, the mighty and wonderful pinky. I have a couple, but let's just, uh, well, fire, or what do you call that when you have to answer quick? Rapid fire? Rapid fire. All right. Uh, type of helmet you use? Fuck, Mary kill. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. It's uh, terrible. You kill with the helmet. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, HGO55E. And when did Mark talk you into getting one? Uh, I think I had a helmet before Mark did. Ooh. Not going to lie. You did. Ooh. No, you did. <laughs> Um, I'm sure Mark has many more hours wearing one than me, but if you can, I don't know, man, if you can bring back any aerobatic competitor from the eighties or nineties, who would it be? Ooh. Uh, wow. Charlie Hilliard. Good answer. Yeah. Most, uh, yeah. Most famous person you ever met. Uh, you know, in my opinion, I mean, I've met like a lot of celebrities through flying like Travolta or somebody like that. Michael Collins. He was my favorite. Um, that kind and of I leads. flew an hour with him without knowing. Oh, cool. So that would oh, te- yeah. technically be like Warbird Idol, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he became my Warbird Idol from like the fact that he introduced himself as old Mike, and then I flew with him, and he didn't tell me who he was, and I didn't recognize him, which was also my fault. That's cool, sir. Uh, favorite airport? Favorite airport? Um, I, honestly, I think it's Wildwood. <laughs> the hood, the hoodie, hoodie. Um, Wild hood. I already asked you: Will COVID or Adrian knock out massage? But COVID or Adrian? That's too. That's too inside baseball, dude. You got to give him some context on that one. Oh, you're not on. Yeah. You're not on Aerobatic Pilots uh, Facebook. I am, but honestly, at past a certain point, I just tuned some of it out. Oh my god, <laughs> terrible. Um, oh, that's terrible for the next question. What is your favorite part about Aerobatic Pilots Facebook? Is it the memes? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of just uh, you know, there's this guy on there that. There's this guy on there that I, I really admire now because he pushed through all the bullying and uh, don't say Corey, no. don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> fucking better not say Corey. <laughs> no, that's not who I was talking about. <laughs> I'm kidding. We love Corey. Um, all right, and then final question. It's a really serious one, and Mark and I spent a lot of time 
coming up with this one. Um, Carbone Restaurant, how many uh, stars out of five? Carbone Restaurant stars out of five. What would you rate I'm going to give it five stars. Five stars right now. Wow. Well, you've heard the last of Pink st- Pinky. <laughs> <laughs> it's never welcome on this show again. <laughs> you made me snort, dude. <laughs> you can't fire me. I quit. Uh, oh, my God. I mean, at least at least they get one five star review out of this. You know, know, I don't I don't doubt that answer because massage uses very fancy words like Pinky does, and I feel like if they went out to dinner together at Carboni, I mean, <laughs> it would probably be a nice dinner with the spicy rigatonis. Yeah. So diet coke, <laughs> spicy rigatonis, and diet cokes. Yeah, you're not. In, are you into watches, I, Pinky? No. Oh, then, no. then never mind. I have a Fitbit. He can't hang with And me. I would not be drinking a Diet Coke at a, at a restaurant. Oh, my God. <laughs> this podcast just went downhill. Hey, what is the plane you want to fly the most? Like, what do you think about that? Like, you're like, oh, my gosh, if I could ever get the chance. Uh, uh, Fred Bowers, 152 Arabat, Texas Tail Dragger with a 200 horse 360. Wait. Hold, what? Hold, hold, hold on. Hold on. Stop traffic. Fred has... He's got a Texas tail dragger, Aerobat? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it was his and he sold it to some guy, but the guy made him like keep it and take care of it and fly it. So, well, you okay. So, Petro, this guy, he's, he's, this guy, Fred Bauer, is it? He's a Southwest pilot. Shout out to Fred, man. If you ever listen to this, I'm a, I freaking love Fred. He's awesome. He's like a, a movie character. Okay. He's, <laughs> he's a badass Southwest he's guy. Like, Five foot six, two seventy five, no fat on his body. U two pilot, A ten pilot in his forties. He owns like ten aircraft, including a helicycle, which is probably my next like dream aircraft. Holy shit! (laughs) Yeah, he has a T twenty eight. He uh he he was he made the advanced team. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah, he flew an Edge five forty. He went to nationals a couple times. What is his name? Yeah, Fred Fred Bauer. Bauer. It was probably I don't know. Let's Google it, Fred. Uh, F R E D, uh, capital F. I can't. Space, do you really uh, think I can't? Capital B. Fred. I'm asking for the last name, you asshole. <laughs> F is in Fred. F is in Fred. R is in Fred. All right. E is in Romeo. R E Delta. And then space. Space. And then hold shift and hit B. O W E R. Fucking. God damn you, Collins Foundation assholes. <laughs> never, doing, never doing another one of these again. You guys just team up. Fucking asses. Fred Bowers. Well, you t- all this Jenna Jameson and, and uh, Ron Jeremy talking, it, it, there's, there's going to be a propensity for gangbanging. <laughs> I think I would rather be Jenna Jameson than Ron Jeremy. I don't know. I like that. I mean, maybe that's is, a deeper problem. And one is definitely more attractive than the other. And Pinky would look good in blonde hair. I got to be honest. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Maybe you should do like a late nineties like throwback and just ice the tips, you know? We'll spike that. <laughs> How do you know it's not blonde right now? <laughs> I'm drinking right now, I'm drinking funky Buddha hop gun IPA. Which makes you there guys you dangerous. Oh my god. You get loosey goosey. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, I can't find it. Did you find Fred? No, I can't. I'm just I found it before somewhere. I don't know. It was like the nineties. The dial of connection is like kind of busy on my end. Dial up, nineties. Such a millennial, nineties. Yeah, yeah Fred. Fred's a badass dude. He uh, he flies Kavanaugh, or I think it's Cap. He flies Kavanaugh's uh, stuff, right? 
No, he flew uh, um, for uh, no. What's the guy out in? Let's see here. 1939. That wasn't him. Um, somewhere <laughs> in Chicago. Um, oh, uh, he has that other A4. Yeah. So right. can't, can't think of his name. But yeah, he flies the Sky Raider for them, P51. But he came out and flew um, P51 for us. Got checked out with us, and he's having trouble uh, landing the B24 when he first came out. So I. I was nice enough to drive a car down the runway behind him and call off how high he was like he's used to. <laughs> oh my God. Ah, so this guy, oh, you, you rattled off that Cessna faster than a New York controller can do it. Um, say it again. What he's got? So it's a, a 152 Arabat Texas tail dragger with a, a 200 horse 360. Wow. And what is that? What is a plane like that way? You think? I, I mean, like, what is it? Eight hundred pounds? Like that. That's it. Jeez. Yeah. What is a stock one fifty two? I don't even know. They're light. They're like seven hundred pounds, right? Yeah. So like I'm thinking. I mean, they're really light. I, I can't remember the uh, like the empty weight of a one fifty two Arabat, but they're light. That's the plane. I think yeah. dude, that's the that'd plane. be a hell of a yeah. No, I that'd be a. I'm not even. I am not. If people think I'm being tongue in cheek, I am not. That would be a legit. Um, primary aerobatic airplane. No, trainer. sportsman, dude. Like, I'm not kidding. That can. Well, I, I don't mean primary. Um, I don't mean primary the, the category. I mean like, like your first aerobatic airplane. That that might almost be better than a Super D. Yeah, I mean, change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like it'd be really on par with a Super D. Uh, yeah, I don't know how the the Cessna wing does inverted but i mean there's the one yeah. at, one's probably like a extra three l 300 330 lx <laughs> yeah because yeah, it's a flat it's a totally flat bottom wing. i mean it's like the same isn't it the same i mean it's the same airfoil shape as a regular 152 i think yeah one of the like the only main difference i think is like it's got a cessna 172 wing strut okay it's like one of the only differences yeah. I don't know why I remember that, but the only thing that I would miss though is is the one aspect of having an aerobat kick some ass at a competition is the guy getting out and checking his nose strut. <laughs> so awesome, dude! <laughs> I know, man. So the tail wheel is like, I mean, it would still be awesome, but if he's not doing like the how many however many fingers you got to check the distance, if he's not checking that <laughs> after, a, or like <laughs> he has a little tool to check it, yeah, like uh, a little ruler i don't know man i don't know <laughs> yeah i love it i love it well wait, do we have anything else for uh i think i uh i think i got through all of our uh our pre-production prep that we spent a lot of time on yeah i think we're uh sweet craziest thing you didn't really answer Pink, you got anything thing. for us though yeah what's second no, I was saying you didn't really answer the craziest thing that's ever happened to you in an airplane, but I get it. I mean, yeah. Let's see here. <laughs> you know how I landed. <laughs> I landed a long easy on a road. Um, Ooh, I don't think that's not fun. Uh, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I was going to talk about Brookhaven recently. Like, I had an issue, and the one thing is, I announced my issue. What did I, I landed? Um, towards our hangar. Uh, three, three. 
I mean, I know two four. Ah, yeah, the sap. Yeah, so like basically facing isolate. Okay, yeah, two four. Yeah, and I had an issue, and that wasn't the runway everybody was using. But after some radio calls, everybody actually got the hell out of my way, which was really nice. Oh, cool. Um, that never surprisingly. happens. Yeah, that never happens. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I would never ask anybody to get out of my way if I thought <laughs> I if I didn't think they needed to get out of my way. Yeah, if you but, really want to piss them off, do a touch and go on the weekend. Oh, they lose their shit. <laughs> or stop and go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> stop and go. Be a great idea in a Mustang. But yeah, man, I think uh, I think we covered it all. Thanks. Uh, I learned a lot. I don't know about you, Mark. I, you know, I did. Um, obviously, you know, it's fun to be friends with Pinky and shoot the shit and uh, always learn something new. You know, he's he's and lived I made like, up um, a lot. <laughs> so it's true. That is true. Cool, man. I'm excited. Get back into competition. We'll all hang out. We'll come out to the West Coast. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm sure uh, I'm ready to go whenever whenever a competition happens near us. Let's bring that airplane out there. 20, Mark, 20, yeah, 23. Yeah, Let's do it. Yeah, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe by then we could try out for the advanced team. No, it's going to be the same. You can't because they're just going to keep on like pushing this team to the next year. Just push it back. Year, to next year. To next year. <laughs> 2026 then it's going to be like old school. we're going to we're going to have a blue <laughs> you're my boy, <laughs> you're my boy blue. <laughs> Pinky, is there anything you want to promote anything you like anything you're doing any websites social media whatever anything where people can follow you and check you out uh great question not really <laughs> uh i had my instagram um about it yeah rob rob can fly i was too embarrassed to say it so <laughs> i'm glad dude. don't be embarrassed dude you, you can if anybody you have a license anybody wants to go for warbird rides they just uh message you if they can't find the collings foundation website for some odd reason and you'll you'll hook them up right and tell them what to do and oh yeah we'll find someone that can do it for sure sweet you guys do that right so, all the 51 yeah. rides and shit yeah with covid no one's really flying anything yeah so but hopefully, hopefully soon people will be flying again. Get some insurance back on some airplanes and get moving. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Uh, I know we're trying to wrap it up, but are you coming down to Brookhaven? Or are they shut down for the uh, for the winter now? Uh, uh, there's no events coming up. I think they just finished all the annuals, so I think they're pretty shut down for the winter. Ah. Uh, well, next time you maybe we'll get a jet in... trip there, though. Oh, really? That'd be nice. Oh, nice. That'd be fun. Yeah. Next time you and Mark do. The, oh, yeah. Uh, do the school or whatever the heck they make you do to ground school there. You guys should do there and then pop down south. I say it like I'm in a tropical climate. Pop, pop down south to freezing New York. <laughs> <laughs> well, the like, last what? like it's always been in Florida, and then the last couple of years it's been in uh, in Stowe, which is like such a drastic. I mean, people don't understand unless they know both of those places. They don't know the drastic climate change. I imagine around. Yeah, I imagine Mark going to Stowe, Massachusetts, like the Jamaican bobsled team when they get to Calgary. <laughs> like he's like, <laughs> he's got, his hair is freezing off. <laughs> he's wrapped up in this sleeping bag, like walking out. <laughs> yeah, Mark does not like cold. I no. seem to remember pretty well. Sanka, no. Sanka, you did. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, not not a huge cold fan. Oh. 
well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't <laughs> like it here. I'll tell you that. No, I'll tell you. It looked. It, I saw an overhead. I saw an overhead view of of the New York area, and it it doesn't look fun right now. It's miserable. If you can't tell by the sound of my voice, it's fucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what that was. Yeah, it's quality. misery. Age. De Blasio just sucking the life out of me. <laughs> oh my god! But it's hysterical. I had somebody come in my store today with like a has. It wasn't a hazmat suit. It was like one of those paint suits that's white that you get from Lowe's, and blue. They had the blue gloves, um, not a mask, but I guess it's a respirator thingy. You know, with the the thingies on the, the filters. Yeah, and not just like glasses but like the chemistry goggles to get coffee that's how addictive caffeine is by the way that's a little aggressive it's way aggressive it's that's a that's a that's a little aggressive i walked in, rips it off and drinks some coffee yeah. <laughs> i walked i honestly yeah. i'm not even fucking with you i walked in the back and i i was just laugh. i wasn't like laughing out loud but i was like you know when you have you it's just so ridiculous <laughs> you just have to remove yourself from the room yeah i'm like oh my god <laughs> i can't believe i live here <laughs> They were cold, dude. That was just a heated suit. You're being a, you're being an asshole right now. They just wanted to be warm. They just want some coffee, some cool. <laughs> they just want a latte and be warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. I got, Literally, Mark. I get yelled at for like I I sneezed one time and somebody reported it to the to the manager that works for me, obviously. And then <laughs> that's hilarious, dude. It's just it's out of control. Come up to New York. It's great. It sounds great. Let's go, Mark. Yeah. Let's fly the extra out there to visit. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun. Oh, yeah, it's been a while since I've gone coast to coast in an extra, so hmm. I'm getting uh, itchy again. I told Mark he's got the keys to the SC, and so do you, because you can literally fly of anything you can. So, But Mark's being too much of a wimp to go fly it. Dude, I want to. He's like, I'd love to go fly the SC. I would love to fly your airplane, but, you know, if, if anything happened, like... <laughs> Mark, are you like traumatized by a recent event with an extra or what? Did something happen? <laughs> I'm always nervous that I'm going to be that guy that wrecks somebody's like pride and joy. I'm always nervous of that. Like even before this whole thing happened with our extra, like I'm, I'm just generally like Jeff Lowe, like again, another shout out to Jeff Lowe. Like he will message me like, dude, why haven't you come flown my pits? And I'm like, uh, you know, like life and stuff and things, you know, busy stuff, whatever. I'm doing this. Like I just, I just, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of a big deal. So, you know, I'll pencil you I in. Think I, uh, I think I have uh, the real reason why you don't go fly Jeff Lowe's pits. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. say it. <laughs> is, it, is it because he posts pictures of the tires every time? You do, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was one time. And I will fully admit, I don't know what the hell happened with those North Korean bullshit tires that he put on that thing. Um, <laughs> That's what everybody Can, says. It was a gust of wind. It was North Korean bullshit tires, man. It was it was a crosswind. It was a crosswind. No, honestly, um, flight custom jobs. You know, we we're gonna do a podcast on shoes. Uh, one of these days, that was one of those aha moments. Was shoes? Ironically, of all things, I was riding the brakes on landing in that thing, and didn't even know it. Well, you're, yeah. you're an airline pilot. What, what do you expect? <laughs> Well, that's the thing is like, you know, typically I land with my feet on the floor and the Airbus just takes care of everything. It sucks having to do everything manually, like a, like a mongoloid. Yeah. Like fuel your own airplane, huh? Oh, it's terrible. Terrible. Air in the tires. Yeah. God. 
Ugh. Terrible. It's awful. Yeah, it's awful. <laughs> but yeah, come fly my yeah, airplane, maybe, please. I, w- I would love to. That's an awesome um, thing to offer. Yeah. My, and and you're going to regret it, but... That's fine. And yeah. Massage hasn't even offered to... I mean, he kind of said he would come down and take me for a ride in his airplane, but, you know, I kind of had to force myself on asking. And I don't even want to go at this point now. You know, and you're like, you have to ask for something you don't want it anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, totally. you want him to. You want him to want you to go in there. Yeah, and he doesn't. Yeah. So it's like, uh, uh, yeah. I've literally never asked to fly any airplane ever. Right? Like, what kind of friend is that? Where I have to ask for a ride up? He flies it down to Long Island and just sit, puts it in front of my hangar, and I'm like, I don't want to ask. So I'm just sitting there. It's kind of like a first date, you know, when somebody's got to make their move, and I'm not going to make yeah. my move, you know. No. You know, oh, you know, honestly, he's like walking me. To I my just door. figured out who massage was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who the hell? <laughs> and thanks for oh, listening. Man. Have you flown the Midwing? No, I flew not his. I've flown Midwings. I love them. I think I would buy a Midwing over an L any day of the week. Um, God, it's like auto tumble. It's really cool. oh man, one up. It's it's hard not really to just do them all the time. It's so much fun. And there's a sweet spot with that airplane where, like, it's very little aileron. I mean, like, no aileron in it, and it will just keep going and going and going. It's, yeah. It's really such a cool plane. I love it. I love it. And they shot up in Valley, which sucks because they used to be a lot of bang for your buck. Used to be able to get them for like 130, yeah. 125, 140, maybe. And now they're like closing in on 200. So Hopefully crazy. They keep going up. <laughs> yeah, it's good for us, good for resale. For sure. Nah, it's awesome. I don't yeah. Ours is probably worth like 60. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. You know, it's not on Carfax. It's got a lot of damage on it from all the GoPro mounts. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just got a ton of adhesive all over the wings and tail and belly. Just all this rubber. It's 200 pounds heavier from all the double-sided tape. Yeah. All the airflow, which is all disturbed because of all the gooey adhesive that's been left on it, like gum. Yeah. <laughs> oh my totally God. fair. Yeah. That poor airplane. Yeah. I can't wait to have our podcast on GoPros and you can enlighten me. I'm just going to play, uh, well, I am a dummy, so I'll just sit here and listen and ask random questions and you can educate me. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. Not that I know a whole lot about any of that stuff, but yeah, you guys can talk. Pinky, you don't use GoPros on the uh, Warbirds at all, too, right? I never really seen. Yeah, the other day I was like, man, I should buy a GoPro, but right? Never really you used should them. buy a GoPro. Yeah, I mean, the job was like so intense in terms of like the amount of hours you're putting into it. I never really even thought of filming much. You can call it massage. He'll just run down and put one on for you, like he did my airplane. Freaking asshole. <laughs> I still have a, I have a mount on my airplane. I'm afraid to take off that because it's been there so long. I'm afraid it's going to peel the paint. <laughs> I'm sure it will. Yeah, the paint's already probably peeled. Yeah. Use a, uh, a heat or a, don't use a heat gun because that's too hot, but use a, a blow dryer and some fishing wire. Yeah, these are all good topics for our podcast. Yeah. But yeah, to get back to what we were matter. saying and, and dragging this ending off, uh, Massage finally offered me a ride in this airplane, but I, I don't think I'm going to take him up on it. No pun intended. No, play hard to get. No pun intended. Does massage listen to this podcast? Religiously, really, bleh, religiously, <laughs> religiously. Yeah, yeah. He can't wait to come back on. He's not. He's not allowed because he uses to once his once his vocabulary and and all those fancy words get out of his head and not on this podcast. Then then he can come on. But I was just yeah. 
I couldn't keep up. I was ex- I was exhausted after that podcast. <laughs> Does he use like really really fancy words? Really I'm fancy. Mostly curious because you compared my words to his words. I can remember so. some of your words. I can't remember his words. I don't even know what letter they started with. <laughs> I was eating. Well, the dichotomy of the extra three hundred versus the extra three hundred L. All kidding aside, he used that word. I'm pretty sure. oh my god first time you had an excel spreadsheet on all the serial numbers listed then i put that into a 3d printed model and then after it 3d printed i took it to the took it to norad and i wanted to see the radar signature of the 3d printed model of all the serial numbers of every extra ever built and then i wanted to see which ones were all made in 1998 like all right man hook on phonics wait i'm not done and then i called the factory and i got the mechanics name of everybody that worked on these extras and then from there i did a uh what's that genealogy test i did a swab of their mouths and found out their whole lineage. 23 and, and it turns out that a couple of them were princes in the in medieval times <laughs> 23 and me yeah, yeah that, that was basically, that was basically let's just keep killing this show <laughs> i think i murdered it pretty good there <laughs> It's good. Let's uh, <laughs> let's stick a fork in it on that one, dude. All righty. Pinky, you're the man. Thanks for coming yeah. on, dude. Thanks for having me. Yeah, love you, dude. That was this was fun, man. Um, I think Pinky's going to be going to be our warbird expert. You know, like those people you call when you, on yeah. on shows. What do you call that? Like a panel expert. No, like let me check with the uh, special. Not special. You know, like they do it on those fancy shows. Is it like, like on Pawn Stars? I was just gonna say Pawn Stars. He's like, I got a, I got a, I got a guy that knows coins. Let me make a call and I'll get back to you. Yeah, let's make it really amateur. I got a guy that knows 13th century swords. <laughs> yes, <laughs> his name is Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy, he's an expert. He's an expert on Pac-Man machines. <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about this, but I do have a friend that got a degree in 1983 rare Hot Wheels cars. Let me give him a call. Let me give him a call. It's right down the block. But yeah, we'll make it really amateur. Uh, Pinky will be just, uh, he'll be uh, the Warbird guy. Warbird guy. Or Jenna James. Cool. Where do, or uh, Jenna. Let's just real quick, Jenna. before we go, where do I, uh, <laughs> where do I send the invoice to? Or but, uh, That's Jeff. That's Jeff. J is in Jeff. So the- e is in F. <laughs> F is in F. <laughs> send it to Carbone. They, they would, uh, they're, they're a platinum sponsor on the show. Cabone. <laughs> uh, it's a cabone. Manzella. Extra spaghetti <laughs> special with Velveeta cheese. We'll know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Spaghettios with Velveeta. Oh, and the endless breadsticks are incredible. Yeah. Their ketchup, their ketchup right. ragu is it's to die for, literally. Oh. <laughs> ketchup ragu. I'm the barf. Heinz 59. Oh, yeah. All right, Jenna. Well, cool, guys. Any, any, <laughs> <laughs> anything else Kill before we like sign off? Right now. Yeah, is that it? Anything else? I think we're good. We're good. We're good? I have nothing Thank further you. to add. All right. It was a pleasure, dude. We'd love to have you back on if you're willing yeah, to come back. Yeah, I'd love to. Sweet. Sweet. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. 
be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 